6: Folks, uh, sorry about that. Uh, Again, uh, this is our election night coverage on the Black Star Network. Uh, The blackest coverage you'll see all night, more than 60 guests lined up. Uh, Folks all around the country as we break down uh, what happens huge stakes in this midterm elections who take controls will it be? uh, Democrats and Republicans controlling the house. What about the Senate also critical governor's races local races different initiatives going on ballot initiatives you name it We're covering and also critical mayoral elections, Washington DC, Los Angeles And other places as well, and so uh, we're looking. We're going to start tonight off uh, with, of course, voting drama. That's right. We've seen uh, major drama all across the country. We've seen lawsuits already filed extending location, extending early voting voting locations because of problems uh, at uh, the ballot box. Problems in Tennessee. You also had fires in and around Jackson State interfering with voting there as well. Joining us right now is Damon Hewitt, who leads the Lawrence Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. They, of course, have their 1-866-HOUR Voter Protection Line. Uh, Damon, glad to have you tonight. We wanna start things off with you. What What have y'all been hearing today? What has been happening? What kind of phone calls have y'all been getting from all around the country, from voters talking about problems they have faced?
3: Well, Bruno, look, thank you for your extended coverage. It's important that people get the accurate word, especially at this hour, because polls are still open in most of the country. Uh, people need to know what they're facing and also get motivated to get out there and cast their ballots. So, look, we have heard from thousands of voters throughout the country, not just today, but also in this entire election season. You know, just last night, we actually had to file an emergency lawsuit in Beaumont, Texas, close to the Louisiana border, uh, not far from Houston as well, uh, because there were white poll workers harassing black voters. It was so bad, rolling that black poll workers in the same precinct had to submit affidavits saying it was that bad they had to stand up for what was happening. And so what we're seeing is a lot of reports around the country of voter harassment and intimidation. Now, we don't know that these are orchestrated by a particular group like the kind of the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, the kind of groups that we at the Lawyers Committee have sued a number of times in the past. But there's an environment rolling where people think it's normalized, they think it's okay. to get out there and harass people. They think it's free speech. They think it's okay because they're standing behind that restricted area where uh, partisan people can't be most of the time. But there is no safe zone for intimidation. There is no acceptable distance for voter intimidation. So we are seeing reports about racial slurs being used in Michigan and Texas, people being told, you can't vote this way, get in line like everybody else. Uh, when they try to go to a, a drop box during the early voting period, we're seeing all kinds of things of that sort. We're also seeing uh, some of the things that sadly are now expected. I give me an election soccer rolling when we haven't heard a problem with Black students at Prairie View A and M being targeted and turned away, it happens every time, and we're sick and tired of it. And so, you know, we, you know, other groups have sued uh, officials there in, in Waller County uh multiple times but this continues to be an issue it always seems to be an issue in our community and that's why we have to stand in the breach
6: uh now you talk about uh what's happening with those uh black voters NAACP's also had to file a lawsuit as well uh, one of the things areas that we are seeing huge problems uh, is in Tennessee. Republicans in that state split Nashville. Nashville used to have its own congressional representative. They split that state into into four different... Excuse me, that, that city into four different congressional seats. And for the last couple of weeks, we've seen folks getting the wrong ballots. Uh, we we heard reports of the major problems today. Again, people going from back to precinct to precinct. Uh, uh, the Tennessee fo- folks at Tennessee Holler actually posted a video where some women, one woman broke down crying... Uh, because they actually went to four... took a lift to four different vo- lo- voting locations, and they kept getting turned away.
3: Yeah, it's, its quite ridiculous. You know, some of this is basic ineptitude, uh, but at some point, it feels, and it becomes systemic. Especially, again, when the bouncing around from one location to the other, when the long lines, when the fact that you can't give people, in some states, provisions, food and water and lines, when this keeps happening in black communities and and brown communities, then intentional or not, it's at least structural and systemic. And that is discrimination. That is a problem.
6: Um, And again, uh, you know, you have these folks who say, oh, uh, we don't believe in voter suppression. We don't believe in this. But when you make it difficult for people to vote, when you uh, put them through the hoops, again, to have folks breaking down and crying, individuals... Who've been voting at certain precincts for a very long time, now all of a sudden talking about they're having issues, that makes no sense whatsoever.
3: That's exactly right. You know, the precinct in Beaumont, Texas, you know, is in the black community, the one where we filed the lawsuit, uh, and people have been voting there for a long time. But now all of a sudden they're having these problems. You know, as soon, you know, we you and I know, Roland, that before the pandemic, people in our community tended to vote in person. It was sold to the polls. My parents would go during early voting, in person, or on election day. But as soon as people start using other means, like mail voting, absentee voting, no excuse, absentee, all of a sudden, that becomes a problem. All of a sudden, new issues arise. Uh, when well, people get savvy about provisional ballots, all of a sudden, we're seeing at least two reports I have right here right, in front of me history about, history. Uh, from the hotline, saying, oh, we run out of provisional ballots, all of a sudden. This is not the 2020 election. You know, this is a midterm election. There should be easily enough provisional ballots in every polling precinct. Uh, There's simply no excuse.
6: Uh, Damon, uh, we're going to come back to you a little bit later. Uh, Again, getting an update uh, on what is happening because polls are still open. Uh, in right. some places, polling, polls have actually been extended. And so, if people, if you're in line, stay in line. Don't get frustrated. Don't get upset. We know there are long lines in some places, but again, stay in line. So, Damon, we're going to come back, back a little bit later to get an update. Uh, again, folks, any issues, call one eight six six 866 our vote one eight six six 866 our vote If you have any issues at your polling location, Damon, here at the Law Committee for Civil Rights Under Law, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Will. All right, folks. So let me explain to y'all what's going to be happening tonight. We're going to be moving uh, in different places uh, in, all throughout our studio. So Control Room, I'm about to walk over here, uh, introduce our panel uh, who's uh, here. So let me go ahead and let y'all know uh, who they are. Uh, then we got folks who are also about to go to uh, live as well. And so let's switch to our panel over here. Uh, and so, introduce, of course, uh, Amos jones DeWeaver, she's here uh, on our panel, a uh, leadership strategist. Uh, also, uh, Larry Walker, of course, professor out of Florida, he's here. Uh, Michael Imhotep, uh, he also joins us. And so, folks, so, we're, we, so we got folks who are gonna be over here. We're gonna have different guests coming in all night, uh, but I'm about to walk over here. My man Lee Saunders, uh, who is with Avs Me. Uh, Of course, one of the top labor unions. He joins us right now, my good alpha brother. Uh, He was in Philadelphia earlier with canvassing with some folks. So, Lee, uh, always good to see you, man. Good seeing you. Indeed. Uh, And folks, uh, joining us right now, of course, uh, on uh, Skype, we got a number of different folks. Mark Morial, president and CEO of the uh, National Urban League, joins us. Melanie Campbell, National Coalition of Black City Participation, she joins us as well. Congresswoman Bonnie uh, Coleman, she joins us out of New Jersey. Glad to have her here uh, and let's see, who am I missing? Uh, I'm trying to look at the monitor. Uh, who else? I'm missing somebody. So y'all let me know uh, who I'm leaving off. Uh, let, let, me, let me first do this here, uh, Congresswoman. Uh, I, I want to start with you. Uh, huge stakes today because, obviously, who controls the House? Who controls the Senate? You got several African-Americans in the CBC who lead congressional committees. They played huge roles when it comes to lending. Uh, dealing with uh, ba- uh, uh, loan discriminations uh, in banks. That's Congresswoman Maxine Waters uh, Financial Services. The amount of money that's gone to HBCUs, you can give credit to Congressman Bobby Scott. You've got Congresswoman Alma Adams, the role that they play as well. you got an African-American for the first time who is chair of the Agriculture Committee, uh, Congressman David Scott. Uh, Congressman Benny Thompson, Homeland Security. We could go on and on and on. So, if Democrats lose control of the House, that means those African-American chairs, they go they, they go into the minority, and it's a lot different when you're the minority as opposed to when you're the majority.
7: Absolutely, and so we're not looking forward to being in the minority, we're looking forward to the people of this country recognizing the need to return every one of those individuals that you just talked about, who are probably not in, in any jeopardy, into their leadership positions, because we have seen more at, more support for the HBCUs, more support in eliminating disparities in health care, more support in trying to eliminate poverty with child tax credits and things of that nature, more support with the Democratic control in the, in the House, even with the difficulties we've experienced in the Senate. So this is a critical election. This is uh, vitally, critically uh, important to our communities, Roland. And I thank you for... Uh, proposing to do this extensive coverage of it because all over the country we're experiencing some things i mean even in my even in my district we're experiencing problems with the voting machines although we know this is not related to a voter suppression issue it is an issue we don't want anybody to be discouraged stay in that line please come out here and vote vote until uh, the the polls close and if it's necessary because of things that have been happening that have suppressed the vote, uh, keep those polls
6: open as long as they need to be. Uh, Indeed, indeed. Lee Saunders, uh, first of all, uh, this looks a little bit different than... uh... Uh, the first studio. Y'all, l- l- Ask Me Was, of course, with Lee. They were our first partner with Black Star Network. And actually, Black Star Network didn't exist. Martin Unfiltered. Uh, so uh, I can take it when you walked in here. It looks a little bit different from the Radio. other place, huh? <laughs> I appreciate it, appreciate it. So, uh, l- look, Lee, it has been a lot different for Labor the last two years with President Joe Biden in the White House than it was for Donald Trump sitting in the Oval Office. Uh, and again, if Republicans take control of uh, the House, take control uh, and or the Senate, Uh, that does not bode well for labor unions in this country.
8: Not at all. And not only in the House, in the Senate, but also the gubernatorial races across the country, the down-ballot races, uh, where our members live and work every single day. That's why we have been working almost a year now as far as going into our communities across the country, Uh, labor activists, our community partners, working very, very closely together to get the word out and talk about the importance of this election and how we've got to continue to support progress rather than go backwards. And uh, we've been getting that message out in our communities across the country. I'm just getting back from Pennsylvania. I've been in uh, Minnesota, Ohio, Nevada, and a whole bunch of other places. Uh, but we're really canvassing, and we're getting the word out. And people are excited, I believe, about knocking on those doors, and those folks listening to the message, and us listening to what they have to say, uh, to, uh, uh, to really uh, urge them, urge them to vote. Uh, on on this election day. It's extremely, extremely important for all of us. When I
6: was in Texas on Thursday and Friday, I was talking with Claude Cummings, of Mm -hmm. Communication Workers of America, and he talked about why he was putting money directly in the ground. He said, frankly, I'm tired of giving money to the parties because it's not going to our communities. Uh, And so we've also seen a lot of that, uh, where labor unions are saying, look, we know we know the, the typical Democratic infrastructure that, you know, they, they, they want those dollars. Uh, but look, if it's not going on the ground, the door knocking uh, directly to them versus these consultants who would have put all the money on television. At the end of the day, you can run TV ads all day, but you need boots on the ground and people showing up to vote in order to be able to win.
8: And that's exactly what we're doing. And you know this. I mean, you and I have talked about this before, where it's just not only our members, but we establish those very positive relationships, and we actually resource some of these community organizations in the urban areas in the targeted states across the country so they can have those door-knockers, people who care about working family issues, who care about their communities. So we've been doing this for quite a while now. We, we are going to be able to compete with the money uh, that the bad folks are putting into the system. We'll never be able to compete with that. But we can compete with people power. And we can put folks on the ground it's very important to talk with people to knock on those doors to make those telephone phone uh, phone calls and to, to urge people to get out to vote uh melanie camp i want to go to you you've been uh, on the ground y'all
6: had your comedy tour uh, y'all have been traveling uh to different states uh of course being in florida being in georgia been in other places as well uh, your sentiment uh, of what, what y'all have seen and heard out there uh, for the last couple of months. We've heard a lot about Republican enthusiasm less enthusiasm on the Democratic side. It looks like in the past uh, three, three or four weeks. Uh, at the end of the day, elections are about turnout, and that's what it boils down to.
10: In the last 30 days, uh, we've been on the road in um, Ohio and Florida and Georgia and Michigan um, uh, and Pennsylvania uh, with the Power of the Ballot tour, uh, and we're in Georgia now. And I can tell you, rolling over those 30 days, there was a drumbeat going. Uh, you know, in in the African-American community, we have a drumbeat, and that drumbeat was getting louder and louder everywhere. People were concerned about issues around safety, but they were not anybody. We, we were talking to young folks, to seasoned folks, who did not say they were concerned about this democracy, this election. You know, yes, issues, for sure. Power of the ballot is about making sure we connect the dots to the issues, but we... I felt I don't know at the end of the day everywhere it will be high turnout, but I know there will be some significant places where we overperformed, and 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 also having to deal with those uh, challenges that we heard um, Damon talk about um, as well. We're in in, we're in Georgia at the National Command Center, as well as at, at, at Elsa Scott at Howard University. I want to thank you for helping to t- us to tell the story from folks on the ground doing the work, and our young people who were at, at, at these uh, institutions not, um at, at Clark and at uh, Howard Thank and you. other institutions. Uh, but that's what we heard, Roland. It was a drumbeat, and the drumbeat says we know uh, there's a danger here that could impact generations, and I think our people showed up and showed out. Uh,
6: Mark Morial, uh, presidency of the National Urban League. Uh, look, it, it is about turnout. Uh, Gary Chambers posted a video a few days ago uh, talking about uh, the low black voter turnout there in Louisiana. Uh, he, it was around 10%. He literally was reading off the numbers, and it really was abysmal. Uh, you were the mayor there in New Orleans, uh, and that's one of those. That's one of those places. I mean, you, when you look at a Louisiana, uh, when you look at frankly uh, a Texas, uh, I mean, the reality is, if you have progressive organizations or even Democrats put the resources into those places, those places can become a Georgia. Uh, We saw in 2020 with the New Georgia Voter Project and Georgia Stand Up, the work that they did taking that state and registering people, uh, but you have to work it. Uh, And that's something that uh, I I keep yelling, if we're not maximizing our voting power, uh, we can't have 20, 25, 30 percent of eligible and registered Black voters uh, showing up. We need to be at 60, 65, 70, 75%. We voted those numbers, we flipped states.
11: Uh, Roland, first of all, I wanna thank you and the Black Star Network for doing this, for creating a focused uh, election night coverage that focuses on our community because we know the mainstream uh, is not going to do this. And this has already been a powerful and rich conversation to listen to Damon and Lee and uh, to also to our Congresswoman and Melanie, my good friend, talk about this. Let's look at Georgia. And Georgia has, is becoming a model state for the New South. Uh, in Georgia, you have several things. Number one, you have two at the top of the ticket, strong, uh, well-prepared, uh, hardworking, uh, more than qualified African-Americans, one, Senator Raphael Warnock running for re-election; The other, Stacey Abrams running for governor. Uh, and those candidates are assisting in stimulating the possibility, the hope, the promise of a new Georgia. Second thing you have in Georgia is on the ground. You had it in 2018, you had it in 2020, and it is present in 2022. We're there, we're active. We have our Reclaim Your Vote effort. Uh, Many community-based civil rights, uh, labor, activists, women's organizations are working hard in Georgia on the ground, on their own, to turn the vote out, knocking doors, texting, emailing, rallying, uh, doing all the things necessary to register and engage voters. So I think we all look at Georgia, uh, and if if there's a possibility, if it can happen in Georgia... A black United States Senator Raphael Warnock, uh, a black governor in a Stacey Abrams, and a coalition of blacks and whites and Asians and Latinos coming together, then that great possibility is there in places like Texas and Louisiana and Mississippi and Alabama and South Carolina and Florida and the other states. So I think you're right. Florida is a bellwether state for the New South. This is the Georgia that in 1972 sent uh, Andrew Young to Congress as the first African-American member from the Deep South. This is Georgia that elected Maynard Jackson as mayor of Atlanta in 1973, a historic accomplishment. This is Georgia, the home of Dr. King in one of the cradles of civil rights, and a place where wonderful, powerful uh, historically black colleges, universities, churches, and other institutions uh, call home. So we are all watching Georgia uh, as an example uh, and as what you can do if there's possibility, if there's groundwork. This work in Georgia began in 16 and 17 by registering people. It began with candidacy. Stacey's candidacy in 2018 was considered in the early days a long shot. She proved uh, that uh, you could change, begin to change the map. Raphael Warnock's candidacy in 2020 proved The possibility defeated the odds. So I think you're absolutely right. There's got to be energy. And these southern states where there's 25, 30, Louisiana, 33 Mm percent African-American voters can become the foundation for a different South and a new South in the 21st century. We've got to continue rolling to fight voter suppression. We've got to call out continuously the things that Damon Hewitt's voter protection system Uh, has outlined uh, the racial animus in Beaumont, the actual intimidation taking place under the guise of freedom of speech. We cannot let that die. We cannot let that Mm -hmm. go away. We have to call it out, which is why we have to have a new Voting Rights Advancement Act uh, that we have not been able to get to the Congress. But even if the Congress changes, we're not going to stop fighting for our agenda. See, we're not going to stop fighting for our agenda, notwithstanding the outcome of the election tonight. But I believe, Brolin, black voters are going to do their job tonight and turn out in Georgia and turn out in North Carolina and Florida and so many important states because of the energy and because of the effort of so many.
6: Congresswoman Bonnie Watson-Coleman, we talk about uh, black political power. It certainly is on display tonight. Yes, you've got uh, incumbent Senator Raphael Warnock uh, there in Georgia, State's Abrams, running there. Uh, But you've got Wes Moore, uh, who, based upon polling that leading by 30 points to become the third African-American elected as a governor in this country since Reconstruction. Uh, Douglas Wilder, of course, in Virginia, uh, of course. uh, Then, of course, you had in Massachusetts, uh, Deval Patrick, and likely tonight, Wes Moore. But not only that... African-Americans will hold the top four positions in the state of Maryland. Uh, th- that that cannot be uh, overlooked, especially when you had a Supreme Court justice uh, who actually made the significant ruling in the Dred Scott decision uh, that said black folks frankly uh, were not uh, Americans were not a fool of humans, and so uh, a lot of different ways. You got, of course, Booker running in Kentucky. Uh, you've got, uh, of course, Sherry Beasley uh, running there in North Carolina. Val Demings, Congresswoman Val Demings, running uh, in Florida, and so we, we see these things happening. But it's still a matter of getting over that hump. And, and the reason I, I just keep yelling this from the rooftops, uh, trying to get our people to understand that when we maximize our numbers, I mean th- the numbers are simple. Chambers laid it out. Senator Kennedy, John Kennedy, won his <coughs> with 536,000 votes in Louisiana six years ago. 536,000 votes. There are 900,000 eligible and registered black people in Louisiana. If black people alone vote at 50% of our numbers in Louisiana, that's 450,000. You pick up 250,000 white folks and Latinos and Asians... You win the Senate seat, uh, and so uh, I just really believe uh, that. But you know, after tonight, uh, no matter how Black voters turn out, there really has to be uh, this this centralized focus in these places where we have numbers. Same thing in Texas. Uh, when I sat with Claude Cummings doing early voting turnout, African Americans comprise eight point eight percent of Black turnout. There are more Black voters in Texas than any other state. He said that if Black turnout in Texas hit 12 to 15% of the total electorate, he said, we went across the board. Uh, And so I think it's really getting African-Americans to understand we have the power. It's about using it on Election Day.
7: Absolutely, Roland. And I think that I'm talking about with what even Mark Morial just talked about. We have been doing... We have been doing a better job of energizing our communities, communicating to our communities, and having a discussion with them about... You know, you hear these esoteric discussions about the economy and all that other kind of stuff in the climate, but we brought it down to how it really impacts you and how your vote and your participation could mean a difference. And so when we look at what happened right after the Dobbs decision, the kind of registration that took place, it took place against because of what happened from the, in the Supreme Court. If we look at all the young people that are going coming out and who registered to vote and who are getting engaged now. I believe that those people are principal people. And so those are the individuals that they're going to support the Val Demings in Florida and the Sherry Beasys in Georgia. They're going to uh, support the uh, uh, Warnock in in Georgia because there's like no contest. That is the most absurd campaign uh, competition that I've I've ever seen. Um, I honestly believe two things. Number one is Republicans have done a great job misadvising, telling you a bunch of lies, oversampling in communities, trying to create a a narrative that things are going good for them and things aren't going so good for Democrats. Don't believe that. Do not believe that. That's what they have to continue to perpetuate their lies on every level that they can to see if they can discourage our vote. I don't think our vote's going to be discouraged. I don't think it's discouraged today. And I certainly don't think that the early vote is an illustration of discouragement. Mm-hmm. I think we all... We don't we don't know right now what the outcome is, but I believe that at the end of the day, we're going to have a majority in the House, a majority in the Senate, and we're going to have new governors, new attorney generals. Um, Maryland's going to have what, what it deserves, and this country is going to have what it needs, and that is people in office who have values and value those who have least among us.
6: Uh, melanie Campbell, i know you have to go uh but i do want to uh I, i'm sure you're going to agree with this and I'm give, give you an opportunity to ask for some money here uh I, i've been saying to folks all across the country on this show uh that we that look i, I get campaigns raising money but the reality is if black folks are going to be sending in five ten twenty five dollars give that money to third party groups like yours like black voters matter who are going to be focused when the election is over Y'all do this work 365 days uh, a year, not just when it comes to elections. And so, and that's the thing. We have to be educating, enlightening, p- empowering people to understand that after this election is over, you're going to have mayoral elections coming up next year. You're going to have school board elections. You're going to have city council right. elections. Uh, and so, this has to be uh, a regular habit. We'll be talking later with Latasha and Cliff with Black Voters Matter, but groups like yours. Y'all need the resources because you can't put bodies on the ground uh, and, and then and they're simply volunteering. This act, this stuff takes resources, and that's the only way we can go from 20, f- 20 25, 30% turnout to 50, 60, 65, 70, 75%, or even higher.
10: Uh, d- d- Roland, you're right on the mark. And for, the, for those who need the vote, the black vote to win, you have to do this 365. And also understand, when progressives have won, progressives have won, it's when you put everything on the field, right? Our goal is not to tell the people the who, it's tell them the what and give them the tools and, and encourage them to own their power. That's why we said power of the ballot, right? And all that it can bring, and that ballot is yours. They can't take it from you. And that's what we kept pushing. The power of the ballot and all the issues that we know we could run down was to really encourage our people to own our power when we were feeling disempowered, feeling like the power that we that we took our lives in our hands and we voted in 2020, weren't getting through the things that we wanted. We said, just, we got to keep on. The, we got to look at that power wheel and know who's on the ballot at the right time and know who you need. If you're upset with somebody, are they on the ballot now? Then put them to the side and look at who is on the ballot. And what you have won and that you an unfinished business of your of your of what you want out of that 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 ballot and, and look at it in that regard and then tie it to what who's closest to that for you and own that. And I and I hope that what we could do with the resources we had, yeah, they were limited, but our folks were going strong with or without, but we you know we we do much more with than without. And so I thank you for always being able to help us amplify um, uh, the messages that are need to be done and to lift up the people who are doing the work. And that's what we're talking about. We're uh, not trying to be out here trying to be rich. We're out here trying to do the work so our people will be able to uh, not just survive, but to thrive. Uh,
6: Melanie Campbell, National Coalition, Black City Participation. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Uh, Lee, uh, one of the things that when the Supreme Court had this Janus decision, we talked, there were a lot of people uh, in the labor movement who thought that was going to be the death knell uh, for labor. What we've seen since then, we've seen a resurgence. In fact, uh, a, a polling data shows that uh, unions are polling at its highest favorability in more than 30, 40 years.
8: 50 years. Uh, and so all
6: of a sudden, uh, you're now seeing folks in the country uh, people who were at Starbucks, people who were at Amazon, people who are at uh, a number of different companies, who were, uh, people with media outlets and others who were saying, you know what, um, this isn't a bad idea. Uh, that's a perfect example of worker power. Uh, and I think one of the things that uh, I, was, I saw a chart earlier, I'll pull it up, and it showed the amount of money that was spent on ads, and they broke down what the money went to. Well, guess what? And they showed Democrats and Democrats and Republicans when it came to those worker issues, wasn't even the top 10. And I think Reverend Barber talked about this as well. Uh, if progressives want to do well, focus on the working class, and the working class does not mean white workers, mm-hmm. uh, focus on those low-income workers, those poor workers, and many of them who are disaffected in a lot of places, they number more than a million,
8: million and a half who don't even vote. That, that's, that's your winning margin right there. That's, that's exactly right, and what we've got to do, we've got to take advantage of the situation, 71% of the American public believe that unions are absolutely necessary to be the counterbalance to corporations and folks who want to take that seat at the table away from them. And we've got to take advantage of this. I have been all over the country, Roland, participating in organizing campaigns, talking to young workers, people of color, who understand the importance of having that seat at the table. And we've got to help them, and we've got to support them. And I just came from Philadelphia. Uh, For example, we're organizing cultural workers, museums, uh, zoos, libraries, folks like that, mostly young people, a lot of them people of color. They want to be a part of the labor movement. And so we are promoting that. We are working with them. We are letting them take the lead on the issues that impact on them at the work sites. But we will support them in organizing and getting a first contract. And we're doing that all over the country. The labor movement has revived itself, essentially, with their support and with their help. And that turns into support for electoral politics as well. Because when we are larger, when we're bigger, we can communicate, we can organize, mobilize, and educate our members around the issues that working families care about, then we've got more power at the ballot box. And so all of this is connected, and that's why we've got to continue uh, to do what we are doing. We can't stop after tonight or after two or three days when we find out what the elections are, are going to be. We've got to continue this movement. We've got to continue this, this, this uh, discussion with our communities across the country, saying, what do you want, and how do we get it? And this is what we need.
6: Uh, Glenda Heights, CEO of Higher Heights. Uh, there's, if you well, uh, well, we just lost Glenda, so uh, let me know when we get Glenda back. Uh, I, I will go to Mark uh, before, uh, instead. Uh, and Mark... If anybody who's paying attention, they've heard uh, three words consistently tonight. They've heard organizing, uh, they've heard mobilizing, uh, and they've heard action. And, and what, I'm, what I'm constantly saying on this show is that the election is the end of one process and it's the beginning of another. And so when I hear people say, well, we've elected Democrats and we've got nothing, I then say, well, what did you do after the election? Because the reality is the people who are organized and mobilized, they are showing up at city council meetings, county commissioner's meetings, uh, school board meetings. They're showing up in the quarters of power and they are flexing their muscles saying, okay, we elected you, now we want this. Or even if you we didn't vote for you, we're still your constituency. And so I think that's also a mindset uh, that we have to be in, getting people to understand that, again, at, when the election is over the same energy that went into getting folks to the polls, we have to see the same energy saying, we need you showing up after the fact, because holding a rally, that's great, that's wonderful. But the work you do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday impacts and is and, and really more important than just having that one event.
11: Uh, Roland, you're so right. Civic engagement is a 24-7 enterprise undertaking and movement. And this is why the National Urban League has dramatically shifted uh, on my watch. Uh, For example, now we have a Reclaim Your Vote campaign. We are funding it with our own money, money we've raised from individuals, institutions across the board. We've got hundreds of organizers, thousands of volunteers working in six uh, states, 18 communities. Our goal at the beginning of the 2022 cycle uh, was to touch at least two million black voters, two million plus. And we're going to exceed uh, that contact level. But secondly, over the last several years, we've become much more of a digital advocacy and an organizing effort around, after the election, how do we make sure that we hold elected officials accountable? What does that mean? Uh, Campaigns that we have run for the George Floyd bill, for the John Lewis bill, campaigns we've run to ensure that there equity provisions in the infrastructure bill when it comes to broadband, uh, campaigns in favor of the child tax credit and the earned income tax credit, and the minimum wage to address poverty. So you're right, we have to deploy our forces, whether it's civil rights or labor or faith-based organizations, after the election. Sometimes there's a t- tendency to vote and then become a spectator, as though we've transactionally voted Now our job is to go sit in the grandstands and watch the game. No, we have to remain engaged because the forces that are aligned against us have legions of lobbyists, legions of talk radio hosts, legions of digital advocacy uh, proponents pushing their agenda and pushing back on our agenda. From the vantage point in our community, many times we don't see that clearly. Uh, because it's not targeted towards us. We've got to bring the same kind of pressure. You're right. City council meetings, school board meetings, uh, transit authority hearings, uh, active online and sometimes in person, if we can, to impact the members of Congress, going to the town hall meetings when the members of Congress come home and going there to be heard on the issues that are important to us. So this is a level of new engagement. What's exciting to me, Roland, is the way in which, whether it's Black Voters Matter, the National Urban League, the NAACP, Melanie Campbell's organization, labor organizations, tenant organizations, student organizations, the way in which people are leaning in to do their own thing. I call it self-propelled, not waiting on a candidate, not waiting on a party, not waiting on some sort of established order. When we vote, and this has been our message, we want people to vote for themselves. We vote for our agenda, not just for a personality. And this is what we have to do. We have to change. We have to evolve. We have to embrace this whole spirit of activism, activism in furtherance of democracy, and activism in furtherance of public policy that improves the quality of life in Black America.
6: Mark Morial, president and CEO of National Urban League. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Congresswoman, uh, your final comment.
7: I have to say that uh, listening to the conversations from my brothers and sisters here tonight, um, I'm quite moved because I do understand that we have been having this conversation with our communities and our younger people more consistently than we've ever had before. We're We're at a turning point in this country. We are very pivotal about uh, as to what's going to happen in the future. We use our collective power from our diverse organizations. We share the same values and we share the same goals. And that is equity in all levels and, and in all arenas. How we get there may change from time to time, but recognizing our collective power and what that means when we show up in the collective, and when we represent different agencies and organizations, but we're here for this reason together—that's very strong. That's very powerful. And I actually think you're going to see the manifestation of a lot of that tonight, and or in the next couple of days, as a result of this election. People have voted, and they voted out of their self-interest and their needs.
6: Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right, then. Uh, Lee, uh, Mark was just there talking about uh, the Urban League using their own resources and uh, what it is we have to do. And as he was talking, I, I, I really thought about uh, this speech that Dr. King gave where he, where he talked about uh, signing our own Emancipation Proclamation. So I just want to go ahead and play that uh, before I get get your uh, final comment. Uh, listen to this, folks.
12: Believe in yourself, and believe that you're somebody. And as I said to the group last night, nobody else can do this for us. No document can do this for us. No Lincolnian Emancipation Proclamation can do this for us. No Kennisonian or Johnsonian Civil Rights Bill can do this for us. If the Negro is to be free, he must move down into the inner resources of his own soul and sign with a pen and ink of self-asserted manhood his own Emancipation Proclamation. <laughs> Don't let anybody take your manhood. Be proud of our heritage. Somebody said earlier tonight, we don't have anything to be ashamed of. Somebody told a lie one day. They couched it in language. They made everything black, ugly, and evil, looking and see the synonyms of the word black. Yes, it's always something degrading and low and sinister. Look at the word white, it's always something pure. High clean. Come out to two shot. But That's I want to get the language right tonight. Want to get the language so right that everybody here will cry out Yes I'm black, I'm proud of it, I'm black and beautiful.
6: Jimmy jumps out there what we have to do for ourselves. And, And and we were talking about when you were early talking about what do you want? I, I got folk on social media, I got other places, they, they, they're hollering, tangibles, 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 tangibles. We need the, we need this and we need that. But you can't get any of that, one, if you don't vote. You can't get any of that, two, if you're not pressuring the system after the election is over. So it's real easy to, to pop off on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok uh, but it's sort of like the people in the George Floyd protest, folks were saying, uh, look, I'm out here, uh, I'm protesting, but I ain't voting.
8: Well, hell, you just walk, you're just walking in the park. These things go together. No question. No question. <clears throat> and you know, Roland, it's easy, it's real easy to complain, but it's hard work to organize and mobilize our communities. But look at the results you can get if we do that every single day. And in fact, in the
6: in 9 o'clock hour, we're going to talk to uh, a black family out of Ohio. A black family alone organized their friends and families and their network, and they got 20,000 people to the polls.
8: It's hard. Just one black it, family. But you can do it. And people are ready. And that's why it's so important that regardless of what happens tonight, and I'm not, I'm not predicting what's going to happen, I know that we left everything on the field. Um, But we've got to wake up tomorrow morning or next week, and we've got to be just as committed and dedicated to continue to organize and mobilize our communities like we've never been before. We cannot let anything turn us around. We cannot get so discouraged where we walk away and say it's not worth it. It is worth it. It is worth worth it. We may lose sometimes, but I guarantee you we're gonna win also. And we've got to concentrate on winning, and the way you do that is to talk to our folks, organize them, Get them involved in this process and understanding the importance of getting out the vote and participating in the affairs of their communities. All right, Lisa Sanders, President
6: of me. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. All right, folks, I'm going to walk on over here. We got our panel here. We got some other guests uh, who are here by Skype as well. And so uh, let me go on over here. I said Avis Jones DeWeaver, uh, she's here. We got uh, Larry Walker. Uh, of course, uh, we got Michael M. Hotep. Uh, Monique Presley joins us as well. Uh, and so let's kick this things off. I'll start with you in Florida, Larry. Uh, what are your expectations for tonight? You've got, of course, huge Senate race there. Uh, Val Demings, you've got Aaron Masayala running for the Attorney General. Uh, you have Democrats who have not done well in in Florida. Uh, you know, so uh, are, are they in a position where they might uh, score some upsets tonight?
13: Well, I think it's going to be a tough night in the state of Florida, um, particularly when you look at the Senate race with Val um, uh, Demings and uh, Rubio. though the the numbers don't look that, that great, uh, obviously, in terms of the race between DeSantis and uh, Charlie Chris. I think the Democrats are going to have a hard time winning that election. Um, I think in terms of long term, in terms of issues related to Florida, I think the Democratic Party has to do a better job of making sure you talked about the 365 day approach in terms of meaning that talking about issues that are important to members of the African-American community. And I think that the problem is that Florida has and obviously living there is that that's not happening. You can't expect black voters to make sure they go out and support certain candidates when you're only talking to them a month or two months in advance. We need to make sure we're talking to people consistently throughout the year. And like I said, I don't really don't see that in the state of Florida, and I think that's going to be reflected, unfortunately, what we're going to see tonight.
6: Well, Michael, one of the things that we're going to see, look, what's happening in Michigan, obviously you've got a huge gubernatorial race there, yeah. but you also have uh, you know, the, the ballot issue that it, when it came to uh, redistricting, Uh, and what Republicans were doing there in that state. uh, They tried to keep uh, the abortion issue off the ballot. People need to understand how Republicans are desperately using their power in order to try to dominate uh, politics.
14: Absolutely, and when we look at how Republicans fight, they fight with a purpose. This is why I said on your show Friday, I said on uh, Faraji Muhammad's show, The Culture on Monday, you don't we have to stop telling the african-americans to exercise your right to vote. You don't vote for exercise If you want to exercise go to the gym and work out you vote for power Republicans utilize what they have to wield power to maintain power. We have to understand that as well we see the we see the um, uh, what's going on in, with uh, in Michigan and what happened was Johnson and Benson the um, uh, uh, Secretary of State Johnson and Benson she put out a 54 page report refuting all of the big lie claims that Republicans uh, made in uh, Michigan. Republicans controlled the state legislature in Michigan. We have uh, uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, a Democrat. But Republicans still pushed to get uh, Proposal 2 on the ballot to get more voter restriction right. uh, laws on the ballot as well, okay? They're voting to maintain power, and we have to understand this and do the same thing.
6: Uh, Avis, that was one of the things that, that the, the uh, Republicans running for governor of Wisconsin said. He said, I win, we will never lose an election. Mm-hmm. They've already gerrymandered that state. Even if Democrats get 55% of all votes, they still won't have control in the legislature. And so what we're, what we're talking about here is people have to understand the apparatus that is at play. Have to understand that the other side—they are playing for keeps. Uh, they want to use their power to be in complete control, uh, and Democrats have to have be on a warlike footing, if you will, as well. Understand, you're in a battle. When when Biden says we're fighting for the soul of America, uh, look, that ain't just a statement.
15: That's for real. It is. And the challenge, though, is that Republicans tend to bring an Uzi, and Democrats tend to be a butter knife to the fight. And the problem is, just as was stated, we don't really understand the stakes. We don't seem to message well the stakes. We don't put the long-term investments in that we need to into communities so that people understand everything that's happening. And then in the last couple of months, you just can't say, okay, well, we did all this. Vote for us now. You have to have continuous messaging, continuous work in that area. Plus, you need to understand that you are up against a party that literally does not want democracy. They don't want it. Okay, so we have to do everything that we can to fight back to protect it because just like it is here today and hanging on by a thread, it could be gone tomorrow.
6: Uh, Monique, uh, that's the thing that... Well, we, you, you heard, of course, Biden give the speech last week talking about the threat to democracy. You've had you've got Republicans panning him, folks out there like Glenn Greenwald, Greenwald. Oh my goodness, oh, the world is going to end... Uh, but it is real if the Secretary of State this fool wins in Arizona, then you got Carrie Lake She wins let's say the governor then all of a sudden if they decide to say we're not going to certify any election results We now have total disarray uh, You already have Republicans who are saying they've got lawyers lined up in every single major state uh, all, all states in this country and so many of these battles are going to be fought in the courtrooms And so when we were talking about why it was huge that Trump was there because who are they gonna be trying to seek out? Trump appointed federal judges to try to follow through. And if the Supreme Court is the backstop, that's scary as hell mm-hmm. with this Supreme Court.
16: Uh, yes, and, and because it's scary, and because democracy is at stake, and it's my first opportunity to speak tonight, I'm gonna say to everybody who's listening right now, go vote. Uh, there are just a few polls that are closed. For the majority of this country, they're open. People in Arizona have hours left where they can go and vote. Uh, and I think that that is still what's important tonight. We have plenty of time to do, like, the postmortem on everything that the Dems did wrong, the Repubs did wrong, everybody did wrong. But for tonight, it is urgent that people realize that they still have an opportunity. These, these races may come down to 50 votes, 100 votes. Well,
6: look, at Beasley lost votes. for the Supreme Court in North Carolina mm-hmm. two years ago by 401 votes. Remember, uh, in Virginia, who controlled one of the, uh, one of the chambers, was decided by a coin toss. Yep. Yeah, right. Because it was tied.
16: Yeah, right. I so, mean, and and right now, you know, it's it's four o'clock. Uh, places where those those some of those elections are going to matter. So mm-hmm. I would urge people to utilize the time they have. Listen to us on on your phone and and go get in uh,
6: line. Uh, yeah, stay in line. But you can watch this while yeah. you are also <laughs> online. Uh, folks joining us right now is Alicia Bannon. And she is the managing director for a democracy program, the Brennan Center for Justice. Also, Ionthe Metzger, uh, the director of the State Media. Campaigns for Planned Parenthood Federation of America. Uh, Glad to have uh, both of you here. Uh, So let me ask you this, uh, Alicia. Again, these voting issues. We have been talking about this for a long time, and and. You know, we, people hear voter suppression, but we're talking about the creation of long lines. Now we're talking about not having enough net ballots. Now we're talking about the moving of early voting, uh, excuse me, of polling locations. Now we're talking about these laws passed where you have people who are standing over the shoulders and looking at people. In fact, in Georgia, two poll workers were fired today because of social media posts because they also were January 6 sympathizers. And so that's what's happening uh, at where people are voting today.
17: Absolutely. And we need... So going going to what you were saying about the the courts, that's part of the reason why it's so crucial that we have fair and independent courts. And, you know, we've seen, um, you know, state courts, for example, be targeted in a number of states, including Georgia, with bills that have, you know, limited courts' power to address certain issues on Election Day. We've seen efforts to get more political control over state courts, for example, or to gerrymander judicial districts, all with an eye to, you know, essentially, you know, manipulating how those courts are hearing cases and giving, you know, making judges into something closer to, to politicians in ro- robes. And it's it's a really serious issue for the, the health of our democracy.
6: Uh, a- absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Iante?
18: Yeah, no. I mean, I absolutely agree. It's it's terrifying, quite frankly, you know. And I think that it's really important that we highlight these stories. We talk about what's happening because, in many cases, people don't believe it. You know, we we it it feels so draconian and hard to think that in you know America this has happened. But this is America. This is what happens right now. We are so polarized, and people are so desperate to hold on to power that they are willing to attack people um for just exercising their right to vote.
6: Uh, a- absolutely, and and again on, on this voting piece, if you have these MAGA folks, uh, Alicia, who who get elected, they are hell bent on making it harder, and they are saying we don't believe all votes should count.
17: It, it is a it's it's a chilling thing to to you know when we think about the stakes um, for for our democracy. And, um, you know, again, I think this goes to the importance, you know, of ensuring that we have strong institutions. And in a whole bunch of fronts, our our institutions have been you know, have been under threat, have been put on defense. And so, you know, I think this is, you know, I, somebody was saying earlier, you know, the importance right now of, of voting and, you know, the importance as, as voters and as members of the public for holding our officials accountable, calling, you know, saying that we want our courts to be fair, saying that we are going to be paying attention and making sure that our officials are doing what they should be doing. All of that is, is so critically important now and every day.
6: Uh, I'm going to bring in Dr. Amara here. Uh, She's a public policy expert with the Movement for Black Lives. Uh, uh, Amara, glad to have you here. Uh, you know, look, uh, it, there are people who are watching, there are people who are listening who are saying, uh, you know what, uh, you know, you guys are saying the sky is falling and so I'm just not believing it. Uh, but I don't think people really understand. January 6th was the first quarter. This midterm election is the second quarter. 2024 is the whole ballgame. Folk better understand what is at play right now.
19: Absolutely. I mean, I think you're exactly right. And actually, you know, there's an even longer time scale at play as we see how the composition of the Supreme Court has changed, as we see the just the sheer number of uh, pieces of legislation that are being passed, proposed and passed across the country designed to try to... Restrict people's access to voting, uh, as well as on gerrymandering and a number of topics. What we're witnessing uh, and what gives credence to the notion of the urgency of this moment is the fact that we are witnessing a very long term strategy that has actually generated significant results in areas that are harmful, particularly to black people. And so there is an urgency about. Uh, not only voting on election day or voting in the elections, but also the work that has to be done in between elections to ensure that these policies are not getting passed, uh, whether in in state legislatures or in the courts, whether at the state level uh, or even at the federal level.
6: Uh, and on that particular point there, uh, Alicia, again, as, as we talk about state legislatures who controls them, uh, this is going to be uh, even more so. If you see more Republicans take control of legislatures uh, with veto-proof majorities, look at what was happening in Wisconsin. Uh, depending upon what happens tonight, they may very well have veto-proof majorities. So even if uh, Democratic Governor Tony Evers wins re-election, if he vetoes it, they can override him they can then do whatever. We already see that in Florida. We see that uh, in Georgia and other places as well. And so people have to understand why their state representative and state Senate races are equally important to what's happening in Washington, D.C., because that's where the battles are taking place.
17: A lot of what we're seeing now is the result of gerrymandering, and that, too, is a story of the U.S. Supreme Court. So a few years ago, the U.S. Supreme Court said, you know, shut the door to bringing federal constitutional challenges to partisan gerrymandering, saying, sorry. Federal courts aren't aren't a place that you can go. You know, you can um, if the you know federal the Congress could pass a law, or you can turn to state courts and state constitutions. And so what we saw this redistricting cycle was, you know, in some states, state courts did step up and address gerrymanders. But in a, in a lot of states, we we saw you know really extreme partisan gerrymanders that have really impacted people's you know voice and representation in their government, and that comes on top of the supreme. Court also rolling back protections of the Voting Rights Act. So we have seen that already. And we're seeing another case coming up this term where another element of the Voting Rights Act um, that addresses racial discrimination in redistricting is up for consideration and is at risk of being dramatically weakened. And so, you know, it's just one example of how the courts are such critical players in you know, the functioning of our, our democracy, and time and again, the US Supreme Court has had rulings that have really undermined the fairness of our elections and you know real representation for communities of color.
6: Uh, Iante, uh we saw, of course, the decision by the Supreme Court Roe v. Wade in the Dobbs decision. But then we saw, of course, what voters in Kansas did. You now also have um, these the ba- again ballot initiatives. Uh, they they got the got it on the ballot there in Michigan. Uh, also, there's a uh, ballot initiative in Kentucky as well.
18: Yes, there is one in Kentucky. Um, It is similar to the Kansas one in that it is about um, voters rejecting or approving no right to abortion in the state constitution. So we're hoping that people vote no on that. And, you know, I think that people need to remember that abortion in general is what made the midterm elections competitive. You know, we were expecting a wipeout on the Democratic side, but voters saw what happened with Dobbs. And within a month of of that ruling, um, voter registration was up amongst women in all but four states. So people really are motivated, are energized, and we hope that we can carry that to the polls today and see some, some results that show that reproductive freedom is a winning issue because we've long said that people want to control their own bodies and make these decisions for themselves and not have politicians inserting themselves in these decisions. So in Kansas, in Michigan, California, Vermont, um, we are really hoping that we can get positive results for, um, say, constitutional amendments on abortion rights. Uh, and Amara,
6: for the Movement for Black Lives, uh, look, the ground game is going to be important. So uh, what is your focus uh, over the next two years doing this work every single day? Because, again, you can't demand policy changes unless you change the politicians.
19: Absolutely. And we have really focused really even the previous two years on the ground game. So our work never ended after the election. With uh, this most recent presidential election. And we've also been through the many organizations on the ground, been working at the state level, been working at the city level to mobilize people, not just when it's time to vote. Again, it is helping them dive into the issues that they care about. So we have organizations that are diving into local budgets, municipal budgets, state budgets. They're getting involved in uh, legislation around the criminal legal system. They are getting involved in issues that are uh, are relevant to them when it comes to access to voting, access to the right to protest, um, this this legislation around uh, critical race theory in schools. We have been through so many organizations. I mean, uh, there's Decarcerate Kansas City, there's Action St. Louis, uh, there's Block by Block Milwaukee. There are so many grassroots, frontline organizations that in between elections are working to organize people and educate people on the issues so that when it comes time to vote, we're not just telling people to blindly walk into a voting booth. We are making sure that the electorate, one, the imagination of the electorate has been expanded so that they know what they're demanding, so that they have a sense of what they're looking for. And then they can align that with the candidates or candidates that most closely reflect those values. We want people to vote with context, not just, you know, just to be in there. We want them to vote with context because, at the end of the day, the goal is to build power. And it is to have people who are in these elected uh, positions who actually share our values and who we know Uh, yes, we can hold accountable, but we know that they're at least going in with some shared set of values that we hold. That's the goal. And so our work never ends. I mean, we are... uh, Our organizations, our people are on ground. In between, when when people think an issue has fallen out of the news cycle, we're still out there organizing. When people think that uh, we should fall back and sort of relax and, and let things just kind of play out, we're still out there organizing. Uh, organizing in our communities and and taking a lot of the flat quite frankly, uh, on the tough issues that we want people to uh, to take a stance on. So the work it, it really doesn't end. The election is a moment, but the work is it happens. You know, once election the election is over, that's when the next uh, round of work begins for us.
6: Uh, Amara, we really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, uh, Alicia. Thanks a lot, uh, and uh, as well as. Um, uh, thank you so very much, Yante. Thank you very much for all three of you for joining us.
20: Thank you. Thank
6: you. Folks, are going to do a reset. as uh, the top of the hour. Uh, we have five more hours to go, lots to cover. Some races have already been called. We'll give you an update uh, on the race, Senate race uh, in Florida, uh, races in Kentucky, other places as well. You're watching the Black Star Networks election night coverage, Black Votes Matter. We'll be right back. Uh, don't forget, folks, uh, tell your friends we're live up until 1 a.m. Y'all can skip CNN, MSNBC. First of all, y'all, y'all see more black folks in the past hour. You're gonna see on those networks the whole damn night combined. So y'all know that. Uh, so let everybody know, if y'all, they looking for the blackest coverage, this is the only place to go. And by the way, ain't no other black-owned media doing what we are doing as well. Some folk doing one or two hours, We got six hours of live coverage right here from our Blackstar Network studios, right here on Black Lives Matter Plaza in the nation's capital. We'll be right back.
4: You know what's on the ballot. Mm -hmm. It's not just legislation and policies we believe in. It's democracy, our democracy. There's a choice on the ballot between freedom and fear, between cruelty and compassion, between chaos and community, between voting or violence, and the end of rights generations have fought for. The extremists have a plan, a roadmap for a nation where your voice is silenced and your vote is a memory, where they count their votes and cast ours aside. That's why this year, this fight, this vote is so important. Register, engage, volunteer, fight back against the disinformation and despair, and most of all, vote. Because your vote is all that stands between our future and theirs.
21: It doesn't happen like we think it does. No one rolls the tanks. No armies meet in pitched battle. It happens quietly, little by little. And because so many think it can't happen, it does happen. Little by little, the rules change. It doesn't seem shocking or sudden. And that's the point. Fewer places to vote, longer lines. Don't worry, they say. We're just improving the system. They hope we won't notice the rules are changing because they lost the last election. They hope we just won't care enough to stop them. They believe they can take America away from us and we won't even notice. We know who they are. We know what they want. The question is, who are we? Do we let them get away with it or do we fight? Democracy is on the ballot. Vote while your vote still counts. The Lincoln Project is responsible for the content of this advertising.
22: We've got to stand up. Republicans are banning abortion rights, tearing down democracy, blocking progress. But when Democrats stand together, we win. Because we voted, Democrats stood up for black lives, voting to ban police chokeholds, stood up for black women, putting one on the Supreme Court, stood up for our families, lowering cost of healthcare and prescriptions and capping insulin, and stood up for millions by slashing student debt. This November, let's stand up together and keep making progress. It's time to know your rights. If someone is questioning your right to vote, Call or text one eight six six our vote. For more information, call or text one eight six six our vote. Exercise your right to vote. If the lines are long or you're getting turned away, call or text one eight six six our vote. For more information, call or text one eight six six our vote. Know your voting rights. If you are unsure where to vote or don't know if your polling location has changed, call or text 1-866-OUR-VOTE. For more
2: information, call or text 1-866-OUR-VOTE.
3: I want to be fearful every time I'm in an open area in a public place.
19: I want to think about how completely vulnerable I am while I'm closing my eyes to pray at my place of worship.
23: I enjoy practicing semi-annual lockdown drills with six-year-olds who don't fully understand what's happening.
0: I like going to the movies and making a mental note of every exit in the theater to plan my escape.
17: I hope that our set is interrupted by loud percussive sounds that cause the audience to scream in horror and run for their lives.
13: I want to think of this dumpster as a hiding place for my kid.
19: I
17: enjoy when the only way a family member can
12: identify their mutilated loved one is by the make of their shoes or a DNA test.
16: I want to drop the carton of milk and eggs that I just bought and race frantically to a dingy back room where I'll be locked with 14 strangers for seven hours and no air conditioning until the police say it's okay to come out. I want to celebrate our nation's freedom by worrying that I'll end up bleeding out on the pavement
4: while being trampled by terrified parade goers. I like that anyone can anyone can easily access weapons of destruction, weapons of war,
12: designed to kill the greatest amount of greatest amount of people in the shortest of... in the least amount of time. Just a little bit longer. Thank <laughs> you.
22: Know your rights before you vote. If you have any questions or a problem voting, call or text 1-866-OUR-VOTE. For more information, call or text 1-866-OUR-VOTE. My name is Charlie Wilson.
19: Hi, I'm
6: Sally
3: Richardson Whitfield. And I'm Dodger Whitfield. everybody, this is your man, Fred Hammond, and you're watching Roland Martin, my man, unfiltered.
6: Black Star Network's election night coverage here, 2022. Uh, And it is, our election results are coming in. We're hearing uh, what's happening in Florida. Already, Republicans have flipped three House seats in Florida. You might remember Governor Ron DeSantis uh, targeted the black districts uh, there in Florida. Uh, And so this is what happens when you control the legislature as well as the governor's mansion. And we're seeing that as a result. Uh, And so uh, that's uh, one of the things that you hear uh, that we're also seeing here. Also, uh, the uh, uh, folks that are there calling the race for DeSantis over Charlie Crist for governor, DeSantis gets reelected uh, there. Also, Politico is calling the U.S. Senate race for incumbent Senator Marco Rubio uh, over Congresswoman Val Demings. And so, uh, that was always going to be a very, very tough seat uh, for Democrats to pick up. And one again, uh, one of the problems there Uh, in Florida is that Democrats uh, have not uh, had a strong infrastructure there uh, that used to be a Democratic state became a purple state. In many ways, it is a very red state. And so Democrats continue to be in disarray in the state of Florida. uh, And many believe that they may lose that state for a generation based upon how they have performed in the last two election cycles. And so uh, that is what is happening there. Uh, And remember, uh, as I said, Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, look, he overruled let le- legislature. He illegally withdrew. He illegally redrew those districts, and he specifically targeted uh, African Americans. And of course, the Supreme Court did nothing to step into that uh, situation, and they allowed that to go on. And this is why I keep telling folks why elections matter. Because remember, uh, the, the federal judges ruled that there, sh- there should have been an additional congressional seat in Alabama. That, that was black, an additional uh, black district in Louisiana. But the Supreme Court stepped in and allowed those maps to stay into effect. And so you could have had two black pickups there in uh, Alabama and Louisiana, but Supreme Court ruled. And so for all y'all people who keep saying it didn't matter if Hillary Clinton beat down Trump or if Joe Biden beat down Trump, Whoever's in charge of the presidency, who's in charge of the Senate, that's who gets to determine who these Supreme Court picks are. And so don't think for a second that that Supreme Court matters. And, and, and by the way, I'm sick of some of y'all ignorant-ass black people who's saying that uh, it was performative or simply... Um, just window dressing uh for president biden to pick uh, Katanti brown jackson the first black woman on the supreme court that's stupid as all get out uh because again those supreme court positions matter they are lifetime appointments and trust me if the folks on the right know how important it is well black folks had better understand how important it is because how different would it be if you had a real black justice on the supreme court who wasn't named clarence thomas who was in in the mold of Thurgood Marshall. But y'all keep saying uh, those seats are not important. So those are some of the elections uh, that that we're looking at. And again, we're looking at what's happening here waiting to get uh, more information uh of the senate races in pennsylvania in north carolina as well and so we'll be pulling those numbers up uh breaking those numbers down for you as well we're also looking at wisconsin but also ohio a hotly contested race and of course the u.s senate races in georgia uh, as well as arizona democrats also are trying to hold on to the incumbent positions in new hampshire in nevada in arizona in Georgia, in Colorado, because uh, right now it is 50-50, and they're, they're hopeful they can pick up at least one or two seats. If they're able to win Pennsylvania and or North Carolina, they go from they go 51-49, 52-48. Uh, uh, so we'll actually see uh, what happens there, uh, because right now Republicans control those seats in North Carolina and Pennsylvania as well. So it's going to be a very, very long night uh, as we are looking at uh, in terms of what, uh, is going on, what is going on here. Now, again, uh, let's go here. There's also Associated Press. They have projected that Westmore is the third African-American in history uh, to become a governor in the United States. Uh, of course, the polling data show, Westmore was up some 32 points in that particular race. As I said, Doug Wilder, he, of course, was the first black governors, Lexus's reconstruction, that took place uh, in Virginia. Deval Patrick was elected governor in Massachusetts for two terms. Uh, Wilder served for one term, and that's based upon their constitution. And now Wes Moore, who ran a nonprofit, a book author, served in the military, and yes, he's an alpha man. Uh, he, of course, uh, yes, yeah, some things are more important than others. Uh, and so Wes Moore uh, be- makes history. Uh, as the uh, third black governor in American history. And not only that, we're looking at folks, let me know uh, the attorney general's race there in, in, uh, in Maryland as well. Anthony Brown, the, form, uh, the congressman uh, who was le- leaving that position to run for attorney general. And we're watching that race. Uh, we'll, we'll get the results there. And again, if uh, he's able to win, African-Americans would hold the top four positions in uh, the state of Maryland. Talk about black power that's what happens when you emphasize black turnout uh, in these critical elections and so again we are we're we looking at that and so there are a number again a number of races uh that we are looking at uh and uh, and want to want to break break down we're also uh also looking at um uh some other seats uh and let's see here again I'm, I'm trying to i'm looking at some uh, information here uh, that's coming through uh, out of North Carolina. Uh, it is uh, too early to call uh, the race there, um, in, um, there in, um, in Maryland with Anthony Brown. As I said, uh, one of the things that we're also looking up uh, is what's happening in New Hampshire. Uh, of course, uh, incumbent Senator Maggie Hassan, uh, she is running against a MAGA Republican, Dan Bolduc, uh there. And so we're watching that as well. Democrats, again, need to hold where they have uh, incumbent positions and that is in new hampshire colorado arizona georgia and nevada and their focus is picking up at least one or two seats Uh, They're looking at Pennsylvania, looking at North Carolina, potentially uh, Tim Ryan. Folks, let me know where we're looking with Tim Ryan in Ohio. And then, of course, you also have Mandela Barnes, who's running against uh, Senator Ron Johnson. And my God, it would be awesome to see Senator Ron Johnson lose uh, because talk about uh, a Russian agent as well as uh, a white nationalist uh, who will lie and say, do whatever he can uh, to win. Uh, And so that's what's happening there. And so, uh, we're watching all of that. Got a number of people we're going to be talking to right now in our 8 o'clock hour. Uh, our, panel, uh, our first panel is still with us. Uh, Larry, Monique, uh, Avis, as well as Michael. But I'm going to walk on over here uh, to our uh, living room set. Folks are busy uh, over here. And so let me uh, get on over here and uh, chat with y'all. Uh, and while we do so, though, is uh, folks, uh, there's a lot of people right now who are freaking all out. They're nervous. They don't know how to handle uh, election night. I've seen folks sitting here. Uh, talking about doing yoga. Some folks talking about uh, <laughs> they're they, they gonna turn off their television. They don't wanna hear any results. Uh, some people like, say they te- turn their phones off. I've seen all of that. Uh, and so joining us now is Reverend Dr. Jackie Hood Martin, host of uh, uh, A Balanced Life uh, on the Black Star Network, uh, because uh, folk, I guess, they, they, need, they need some good examples. Uh, of how to calm their asses down uh, and, and I, I don't understand why people totally freak out i'm not one of these people who's constantly looking at polling data and looking at it and just going nuts i'm like look y'all it is what it is it polls don't matter to me It's what happened on the on election day that's what i focus on uh, but jackie uh what are some of your tips for these people uh who are right now stressed out they're binge eating right now uh they're sitting in they're cussing out their spouse look, d- don't know how to look, don't know how to act uh because they are afraid of what's gonna happen tonight?
24: Well, they're doing quite a few things. I was literally just watching your thread, and someone said, I need to log off now because my stomach is starting to hurt. I mean, literally, as soon as you started announcing some of the results, people are in that space where this, you know, anxiety around elections, and it's triggering among triggering among triggering, and people are literally saying, I've had enough. Because, you know, after January 6th, so many things just began to happen in everybody's lives. And so this election, this midterm season, is causing people to really have anxiety levels of, I don't want to stand in line because I don't know what's going to happen. I'm out here exposed and it's too vulnerable. You know, all of this ignorance and hate that is out there literally has people charged in such a way where they are physically feeling their emotions in a negative manner, headaches, stomachache, backache, All types of panic attacks are happening to individuals because they're in this space where they feel as if they're not wanted. Even though we know that our voice and our vote matters, they're saying to themselves or getting worked up in such a way that I'm exposed. And it's that type of exposure that causes people to find themselves in stressful situations. So when you think about ways in which to cope, one, we love our social media, but sometimes you have to limit how much you take. Two, you have to also look at who you're around. You can't be around negative people talking trash in your ear constantly about the elections and what if this happens and what if that happens. A lot of this doomsday talk gets people tied up in knots in a lot of ways. But then also, you have to know your capacity. How much can you take as an individual? You know, is it too much for you to be in a line too long? Are you with people who cannot control their conversation? I think if any of us got one more robocall from some small town that never existed, we were probably gonna throw our phones against the wall. So this constant... No, interaction... thats
6: that's me and all these damn uh, <laughs> emails asking to give. And I don't know about y'all, I cannot get the hell off of... That, that punk ass Donald Trump emails. Uh, I mean, like, you—you oh, you like, hit. You i unsubscribe so about ten times, but the same thing. If I get one, the one thing I will be happy when this election is over. I don't have to see a damn email from any Democrat, still or because I swear, it's like I, I, I'm telling you, I—I I, want to cuss out anybody <laughs> oh who's in God. fundraising. Uh, but but also that's part of it. I just think that. And look, here's my whole deal. Yeah, I—I'm I, not freaking out by this. On election night in 2020, i never forget when, when that idiot won. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that was a producer at TV One. She came up to me, and she, she was just, like, just going nuts. And she was like, Roland, you OK? I said, no, I'm fine. I said, I done seen crazy, white people act crazy before. Uh, this is a white <laughs> producer. Uh, and I told her, I, she's like, well, what, what, what's going to happen? I said, I said, baby, this is called war.
16: Mm.
6: I said, when you get ready for war, I said, you go to sleep, you take your nap, you get, your, uh, get you a good meal, and then you come back fighting and so and that's the whole piece and that's, that's that's why my whole deal is again i'm not freaking out about whatever happens tonight so i have a war posture uh that's that's the mentality that you have to be in and so you can lose battles but you have to also focus on focusing on uh winning the war uh, so for the people who are watching all right so give them some breathing exercises or something uh they can do because if, if cause I'm, I'm gonna be cussing some people out in the youtube chat in just a moment so you might want to go ahead and give some tips
24: Look, Roland, you know that's your way of dealing with things. Hell I think... yeah,
6: that's keep my blood pressure low. <laughs> <way>. You cuss <laughs> people out, blood pressure stay stress. low.
24: You know, people who are trying to figure out what they can do, literally these exercises, whether it's deep breathing, taking a walk, doing some form of exercising, or just shutting things down for a moment, are really great ways, as you already stated, to come back and be prepared for war. Because when we think too forward about what can happen and what may happen or may not happen, we literally can get ourselves in a state of flux. So knowing, one, that you have the capacity to manage how much you intake knowing that about yourself will give you the ability to be able to deep breathe hold it for a couple of seconds and then exhale so look at some deep breathing exercises go for a long walk go grab a hot coffee or a hot toddy whatever floats your boat do that thing which is going to give you the peace that you need to endure because with the amount of coverage we're having tonight. Some people are gonna be up and some people are gonna be down and then depending on where you live This is just the beginning so you got to strap in for the long haul and get yourself in that state of saying I can endure this because literally the battle is just beginning.
6: Oh Well somebody just hit me they said cannabis works.
24: Yes, it does. <laughs>
6: All right uh, Folks we should have what we should have watched We should have watched a uh, uh, balance uh, live uh, on the black star network. We're not the jacket hit Martin. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot Thank you. All right, folks, uh, joining us via Skype right now, we got several guests. Uh, we got uh, Ro- Congressman Ro Khanna, who joins from California. Glad to have the Congressman uh, on the show. Also uh, joining us uh, on the show uh, is that Lori? Do I see Lori there? All right, Lori Daniels Favors. You can check her out, of course, uh, on SiriusXM. Uh, her show uh, is, uh, you, you can always check it at midday. She's also executive director of the Center for Law and Social Justice. Cliff Albright, co-founder of Black Voters Matter. Uh, he is also uh, with us. Uh, and uh, Terraine Bailey, uh, attorney, she's with us as well. Glad to see you. Uh, joining us, yep. let's see here, uh, we got a bunch of folks here in the studio. Uh, so I'm going to introduce them uh, in just a second. Let me do this here. Congressman, I'm going to go to you. Uh, you've got uh, uh, big races there in California. You got Karen Bass, uh, who's running against uh, a Republican and Democrat. He's a dyno Democrat name only, uh, who spent almost a hundred million dollars to win that that, ra- that race there. Uh, and it's quite interesting how you've seen some of the people who were endorsed, who have been uh, endorsing him. Uh, that's one of the races that, that we're looking at in California. Uh, but also, uh, you look at the race uh, with uh, your uh, fellow Congresswoman Katie Porter there in Orange County. Uh, she's raised a ton of money, but was in a tight race there. Uh, and so it shows you, uh, again, how the map is changing with Republicans, especially these MAGA Republicans, very enthused uh, out there, want, you know, seeking blood because, uh, the orange one lost in 2020.
25: Well, Roland, I, uh, the polls are still open. So for those of, uh, who are watching in California, I hope they'll get out and vote. But I'm very, uh, optimistic and confident uh, on my good friend Karen Bass, uh, she is running against someone who, as you put it, uh, is basically a Republican. I mean, uh, no compassion for uh, those who are homeless, no compassion for uh, working-class folks. Karen Bass has been a leader of the state assembly. She's one of the most effective members of Congress. She's a member of Congress who's not just progressive and didn't just lead the Black Caucus, but she works across the aisle. She had uh, worked with Republicans to try to make uh, progress on my, uh, so she should win. Uh, I think Katie Porter will pull it out. You know, the early returns are, are pretty encouraging from New Hampshire. It looks like uh, Maggie Hassan is going to be uh, fine. So obviously it's a long night, uh, and it looks like Sherry Beasley is doing better than people thought in North Carolina. But I, I think so far we're hanging in there.
6: Uh, Lori, I- I'll go to you. Uh, again, you know, on this night I tell people, look, I don't even... My staff has been sending me information uh, since 7 o'clock. I'm like, y'all, stop sending me stuff. Until you get the 65%, 70% of, of, of the uh, percent in, I don't look at anything because, one, you don't know what's outstanding. You don't know uh, if there are Democrat counties, Republican counties, uh, what's a Democratic stronghold, Republican stronghold. So anything before 50 60 65% really doesn't matter. Once you hit 70%, now you can start paying attention. It's sort of like... Like, I know a lot of folks here, uh, and uh, do me the favor, bring me that hat right there. I forgot to, uh, bring me that hat right there. Uh, come on, bring me that hat right there. See, I forgot. I didn't do this the other day. I didn't, so a lot of y'all who don't watch baseball, it's 162 games in baseball. And so some folks don't pay attention till October. Uh, but just in case y'all didn't pay attention to the baseball, the World Series champions uh, are the Houston Astros. Uh, just in case y'all ignored baseball. So, uh, any Philadelphia fans in here? Any Philadelphia fans? Don't nobody want to claim Philadelphia right now here. Uh, Any any, any Yankees fans? We spanked that ass, too. Uh, Any Mariners fans? We swept their ass, too. I'm just letting y'all know. So, a lot of times, Lori, people don't pay attention to baseball with the first 162 games. They pay attention to the playoffs. That's really the same thing on election night.
23: I think you're right. And I think that if you start watching the news now, you're in for a lot of pain. There was a network that I used to watch before they uh, disgracefully fired the amazing Tiffany Cross, Uh, but I would watch them typically on an election night, and you will notice that the music rises and soars just for them to get you all hyped up and excited to let you know that the race is too close to call. So it is a long game. This is an emotional game, and I would like to remind everyone, this is just one inning we got elections. Well, some of us have elections next year. We have elections coming again in two years. This is not a moment. This is not even a moment that's independent of previous elections. This is just another layer on top of uh, whatever it is we're baking here in the United States of America. So we're not in it just for this moment. We're in it for the long haul. Unless y'all got somewhere else for us to go and we're moving, then uh, you know, let me know and I'll happily join you. But while we're here. Be ready to dig in, because it's not just about this election. It's about every election that's going to take place between now and the last breath you take on this earth.
6: Cliff Albright, uh, you've been out there all around the country, on the ground, uh, going to the places a lot of people ignore. Uh, what have you been seeing? What have you been hearing? Y'all, with the blackest bus uh, in the country, this, of course, is the blackest election night coverage. Uh, we've been on the ground as well, and, and that's, you know, I had to call out Meghan McCain the other day, uh, because, uh, she said some silly stuff about, oh, why is Beto O'Rourke, say say Abrams, running, I was like, look, fool, you don't just run for your race, you actually are building infrastructure for other down-ballot races, and you're rebuilding party infrastructure when you run for state ri- statewide race, you know, but you would think of so-called, well, she ain't a political expert, she's just John McCain's daughter. <laughs>
22: Basically. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've been through 11 states on our on our bus tour. I think I have personally probably hit eight of those myself um, on the bus tour over the past uh, month or so. spent the last five days right here where I'm sitting now in North Carolina. We went to about six different cities and counties over those five days. And right now I'm sitting here in Charlotte. And, you know, going back to your point about, you know, not, not being able to make predictions or for polls and things like that. But, you know, what we have done, you know, and when you're doing work in the state, sometimes you can, you can look at, like, some of the early results. You can look at the early vote. Like, we, we knew looking at some of the early vote results um, and, and where votes were coming from and, and which precincts and things like that in this state as well as in Georgia. You know, think, we knew that things were looking good in a couple of these races, and even tonight as we drove around in the blackest Busted America to a couple of polling places, um, one, seeing the energy that was out there, the conversations that we were having, but more importantly, just looking at the vote tallies. I mean, we were seeing, you know, there's a couple of the biggest precincts here in Charlotte that topped their 2018 Turnout, and so when we see those numbers to match the conversations and the energy and the enthusiasm that we're we're seeing and feeling when we're having conversations, you know, we've been feeling pretty good. I, I've been saying for the past five days that North Carolina, actually longer than that, Roland. You know, I've been saying for some time that I thought Democrats might p- actually pick up three seats tonight, and I'm standing by that, and I'm convinced that one of those will be right here in North Carolina.
6: Um, absolutely Now, terrain. Uh, look, you're an attorney. Uh, this is also a big night for civil rights attorneys. Uh, you've got Republicans who've got their lawyers all around the country. Well, Democrats, same thing. And what we have seen when it comes to these elections lately, if you don't have the, if you don't have damn good lawyers, you in trouble.
26: But well, one of the things that has started happening right after the 2000 election with the Bush-Gore situation is that having attorneys election night became really important, because we see that election came down to what was litigated and what was argued before the Supreme Court. Same thing here. There are lawyers all over the country writing motions, filing motions, and judges ready to rule on them immediately. So the legal aspect of these elections is huge right now. And every, I mean, it's, it creates a lot of stress because it means that all these decisions are not necessarily going to be decided by our vote, but by someone outside of our state, potentially, like the Supreme Court, like with Clarence Thomas. So it does, it does, it's a little nerve-wracking, but the legal aspect of it is really huge in this election.
6: Um, it is, it is. Uh, Congressman, uh, I'll, I'll go to you here. Uh, w- this was a tweet that uh, Anna Navarro just sent out. Uh, And I I do think she's right. She said, in 2018, DeSantis barely won against a black, progressive, little-known mayor. In the last four years, Florida GOP invested in registering new voters and painting D's as scary socialists. Democrats ignored the smoke alarms and fell asleep at the wheel. Today, the whole damn house burnt down. Uh, Bottom line is this here. We say this all the time. Uh, Look, if you only pay attention to certain places uh, on election, uh, on three or four months out then you're nuts. This has to be a 365 uh, day a week thing. And if the Democratic Party uh, wants to win, especially in the South, they are going to have to, and I'm gonna be very blunt right now, they got to stop listening to these white Democratic strategists who don't know a damn thing about people of color and and invest in these communities. Otherwise, they are going to continue to lose. Just having a black candidate is not enough. You've got to put resources on the ground and invest early and not just come holler at black folks in October.
25: Exactly. <laughs> well, Roland, Ro, you're, Ro, you're right. Uh, and, you know, we need to start, in my view, with looking at the Obama coalition. I mean, Obama won uh, Florida, he won North Carolina, he won Ohio. So obviously he showed that these states are not out of reach and he put together a coalition and in the infrastructure to do that. Uh, And he had surrounded himself with uh, uh, black strategists, white strategists, Latino strategists. Uh, And it's going to take more than just coming at it in the election year. We we need to sit down after this election in places that uh, we didn't do well and uh, pull in people who understand those communities and make that infrastructure investment, because the thing that people don't like is coming three months before an election where they feel used just for their vote, as opposed to building their input is part of being part of the governing coalition.
6: Um, Cliff, you've been making that point uh, that you have to invest, invest, invest. And as I said in the last hour, I keep saying, you know what, black folks, don't give your money to campaigns. Give it to vo- groups like Black Voters Matter, Melanie Campbell's group, and others, where people who are on the ground knocking on those doors, you know, we're looking at the numbers in, uh, in Louisiana, they're awful. Uh, but there's the potential, if you turn out black people in Louisiana, you can flip that state.
22: Yeah, and, and unfortunately, what people are waiting for is for 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 black folks and for the infrastructure in Louisiana to work a miracle before people wake up and pay attention and say, oh, maybe we should invest in that. Um, and then sometimes even after you do the miracle, it doesn't work out. In fact, sometimes they'll use the miracle against you. You know, we've seen a little bit of that in Georgia when they say, oh, you're so resilient off that little bit that we gave you. I guess we can we can decrease it a little. So yes, this is this issue of of investment. Into the local organizing infrastructure, it's not rocket science. I say it all the time. If you give us a fraction, and by us, I don't just mean Black Voters Matter or our organization. I mean this entire ecosystem of black-led organizing, progressive organizing. If you gave us a fraction of the millions of dollars that is spent, in fact, wasted on TV advertising, we there's not a there's not a state, there's not a, a senate seat, there's not a, a, a legislature in this country that we could not, um, if not flip. You don't know, have significant impact on. But instead, as you said, Roland, at every level, every layer of the, the political strategy from the advertising to the technology tools that are used to the strategy that is used, it is dominated by white men using the same old old strategies that have been proven to not work. So we've got to keep pushing on this investment question because we can't keep we can't keep on being patted on the back because we're so resilient with the fifty cents that you gave us, and then you want to take out twenty-five cents and just leave us with a quarter. That's that's not sustainable. It's not fair, um, and it's going to lead towards the, the further erosion of what's left of this democracy.
6: Uh, indeed, Lori, and, and again, uh, it ain't rocket science, uh, and you could keep just throw- look at some point. People got to realize. Ain't no, I live in Northern Virginia. Okay. I'm still registered in Texas. I got um, there. I'm not watching these damn TV ads I'm not the moment they come on mute. So you just keep throwing money there All you're doing is fattening the pockets of the consultants You put that money on the ground door knocking you put it in events on the ground. That's how you win
23: Forever. It's not like you were talking something that's rocket science or unheard of. Look at what happened on the other side. For 50 years, Republicans invested in undermining Roe. 50 years later, they got the return on their investment. We often think about investment as in a cycle-by-cycle cycle effort, when it's really year-over-year, month-over-month, not just digital media, not just social media. We often forget the vast majority of Americans are not actually spending a whole lot of time on social media. I know Twitter seems like everything to those of us who were there before it got to be what it is right now, but most of our folks are not following the tre- the trending topics. And so, if we were to think about what could a 50-year investment look like, then that could give us a vision that could stand up against something like a 50-year investment in the undermining a row, a 50-year investment in undermining the Voting Rights Act. But I think for us, what we have to think about as part of the Black Star Network is let's pretend they never invest a dime. Let's pretend we can't figure out a workaround with the racism. Let's pretend they refuse to give us another dollar. What are we going to do to make sure that our people are safe, that we can get clean water to Jackson, Mississippi? What are we going to do if we can't figure out a workaround for the racism and they refuse to do the investment? How are we going to make sure that the black folks who live in Florida, who are now basically going to be abandoned to what has become a Republican stronghold, who is going to help make sure that the black children coming through those schools are going to have a shot? who is going to make sure that they're going to get access to the resources and the power that they need for their communities to thrive let alone survive and the idea of investment it's becoming at least for me and this is just my personal perspective we have to pretend like they're never going to invest another dime because clearly they have not desired, decided to do that and if they don't what is our plan b how are we going to duplicate what Clint, uh, Albright, and (laughs) Brad that we're able to do uh, with the blackest bus in America. How are we going to replicate that independent of the investment that we all know that we need? And if we can't, then we're going to have to have another conversation because white nationalists, white supremacists right now are preparing to run the table, and we have yet to see an effective response to that. I'm going
6: to get a final comment from Cliff, final comment from the congressman.
22: Yeah, no, I, I agree completely with um, what Laurie is saying, you know, that we've got to have those options. Look, that's why we started Black Voters Matter Fund, because what we recognized is that we have got to develop the ability to fund our own politics, right? You can't have independent politics if you don't have independent money, right? That's a lesson that we learned in part in Alabama when we actually started a third party at the county level in Alabama. And so our, our entire perspective is that we have got to be able to be independent, both in our in our politics and our strategy, but also in our in our funding, and that's going to mean having to really answer this question about how we galvanize our own resources within our within our own community. But for tonight, what I'm looking at is um, a, really a celebration because I I predicted by the end of this night that there are going to be several key states that are going to shock the country. North Carolina being one of them. And when we take a look at how it happened, that black voters are going to be right smack dab in the middle of that. That's what happened in 2020. That's why they tried to overturn that election. And I think that th- I believe that that's what's going to happen tonight. And, and then we've got to be able to tell that story, because what's going to happen quickly is that they're going to try to change the narrative. They're going to try to own the narrative. And we have got to be steadfast and unapologetically black in letting them know that we
25: did this and we made this happen.
6: All right. Cliff Albright, co-founder of Black Voters Matter. We we'll appreciate it. Congressman, your final comment.
25: Well, I agree that uh, the black voters, of course, were key in 2020, and and they're going to be key now. Uh, One of the things I was talking to Reverend Barber earlier, and he's been screaming for the uh, the uh, to invest in North Carolina. And unfortunately, the state parties did not, in my view, in Washington, invest enough in some of these races. So I'm glad that they're independent groups that are doing the organizing. But after this election, we need to also have a conversation about all the money that the national parties are raising, and what investments they need to be making uh, in these states, not just for any one election cycle, but for the next decade, because the governing majority for the Democratic Party uh, in the House Senate or with the presidency all run through doing well in the black, South and uh, with the black community uh, across the country.
6: It's been Ro'Connell really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Uh, Lurie, um, uh, let me thank you for joining us. Terrain, I'm going to give you final comment. Uh, again, uh, we need as many lawyers as possible. Uh, some of these races, we're not going to know tonight. We're not going to know tomorrow night. Uh, remember, there was a decision in Pennsylvania when it came to the mail-in ballots. Uh, they can come in up until the 14th, which is next Monday. Next Monday should be a national holiday. It's my birthday. Uh, (laughs) uh, But uh, but again, so 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 we're going to be waiting like we did last time, maybe uh, through the 1st of December, to know what the conclusion of some of these races are going to be. So folks like you are going to be really important with those billable hours.
26: Well, what we have in multiple states throughout the country, and we have these bank of lawyers, and the bank of lawyers are on the phones right now. They're going to be working until the final votes are counted. And when I was in Georgia in 2018 and again in 2020, the attorneys, we reached out to voters whose um, ballots were being challenged, and we helped them their ballots. And that's what's going to be happening. But what I find this interesting in our current election process as an American is that before we had all of this electronic and digital voting, we used to get our results easily. We introduced technology, and all of a sudden, the lawyers enter, and elections become complicated. So it's, it's a totally different game that we're playing. But on the comment about engaging the Black vote, I wanted to um, speak on that is that the work in engaging the Black vote for 2024 starts tomorrow. This election is not over tonight. We need to start tomorrow at a grassroots level, working with the HBCUs, working in the Black communities, and investing more funds there. What happens after every election is that we turn it off and then we wait until we get closer to um, after the primaries, and then we start engaging the Black community. That is no longer going to work. We need these college students. We need these high school students who are going to be able to vote to be engaged starting tomorrow. If not, we're going to be in the same position because, as my other council said um, earlier, if we do not make this a sustainable campaign, and we make it continuous, we're going to be in the same position time after time. They got what they wanted with Roe. We can get what we want, but that takes time and
6: investment. All right, Terrain, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. All right, time for our free fall panel. We know how this is going to be. It's going to be buck wild crazy. Doug <laughs> uh, Richardson, civil rights attorney. Uh, to my left, we got Eugene Craig, CEO of the X Factor Media. Rebecca Carruthers, Vice President, Fair Elections uh, Center. Dr. Amakongo Dabinga, Professor, Lecturer, School of national Services, American University. Dr. Julian Malvo, Dean, College of Ethnic Studies, California State University, Los Angeles. Uh, we also have, of course, uh, with us, Brianna Cartwright uh brianna of course political strategist uh and of course she'll likely be uh sticking up for her millennials millennials and uh, uh that whole crew yeah you know you know exactly what's coming uh tammy allison esquire uh, presidential partner expert did i miss anybody i miss anybody got everybody all right cool all right because a whole bunch of y'all of course we still got <laughs> we still got the panelists over there as well uh and so uh i'll get i'll get back to them uh in a second uh, and then, uh, Monique, stop texting me. Seriously, I don't, I, I don't need all these updates from you, okay? Just not be a damn text message. Uh, so, uh, here's your deal. Uh, governor's race, uh, get some update. Governor's race, uh, in, uh, Georgia. Uh, Kemp up five points against Stacey Abrams. About 44% of the vote is in there. Uh, they're calling the race in Arkansas for that fool, Sarah Huckabee. Uh, now, uh, the race that we're watching, Oh, also Warnock and Herschel Walker, uh, two percentage points. Walk, uh, Warnock is at 50.3%. Uh, Warnock is at 48%. Uh, and again, if it's 50 plus one, W- no need for a runoff. Yeah, runoff. And so that's really what the warnock folks are hoping for. Uh, so we're watching that. Uh, the race everybody's watching. Uh about uh 53% of the vote is in. Uh let me just double check that again. 56 percent. Sherry Beasley, 51.5. Ted Budd, 46.7. Wow, uh, and wow, so, yeah, nice. Sherry yeah. Beasley is up in North Carolina. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, that wow. could be the big, the big, big story of the night if she's able to hold on there. Now, uh, it's only about 31 uh, percent in in Ohio. Uh, Tim Ryan is at 55.5 percent. J.D. Uh-huh. Vance is at 44.4. There's about a 10 point gap between yeah. DeWine and who won, who they're going to declare him the winner, the Republican governor of Ohio. So a lot of people voted for DeWine, for governor, not voting for J.D. Vance for U.S. Senate. Same thing happened in Georgia. Split okay. ticket there. People are voting for Warnock, mm-hmm. not voting for Walker, but they're voted, they are voted for Kemp and not voting for Stacey Abrams. So that's what's, what, what's happening there. Um, just I'll throw it out there. Anybody can jump out and go first. Uh, what is, uh, what do you find the most interesting tonight uh, so far?
27: I think you're going to have a lot of split ticket across mm-hmm. the board. Um, I think you know you're going to see a Kemp Warnock situation. I think you're going to see a Devine uh, Vance uh, Devine um, Tim Ryan situation, uh, particularly in Ohio. Um, Ohio Republicans can be pragmatic. I mean, for a very long time, you know, they they had their delegation be Sheriff Brown, Rob Portman, right? You know, um, and, and, and it, Sheriff, uh,
6: Sheriff Brown. It has been winning in Ohio. Yeah, winning. Even though Hillary Clinton lost Ohio by 450,000 votes yep. to Donald Trump in 2016.
27: Okay. And, and, and then the other part of that is that if you look back at COVID, DeWine was one of the few go- Republican governors, along, along with Governor Hogan, that was willing to fight the Fed, to run, fight the presidency on actually putting in COVID restrictions in place to save lives. He also had a Republican Ohio
6: Supreme Court yep. that was also blocking Republicans when it came to uh, their voter suppression. Yep. That, Rebecca, was a huge thing right there because, in fact, the Chief Justice is retiring and she wrote an op-ed blasting Republican legislature, what they were doing when it came to the vote.
15: Yeah, so we're really watching to see what's happening in the Ohio Supreme Court tonight. We really encourage a lot of our students on the campuses that we engage and do work in because we really want them to understand that they have a true voice in what's going to happen tonight with the Ohio Supreme Court.
6: Uh, Brianna, mm-hmm. you should feel good in Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, in Wisconsin, I saw a tweet earlier uh, where uh, young voters were up 360 percent in Wisconsin mm-hmm. today wow. over 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why you're beaming so, because you know I've been killing y'all. Um, beaming for my friend Barnes, okay? Uh-huh. Beaming
28: for my friend Barnes. Well,
6: okay? you know, I, I look. I, I certainly hope so. Uh, but again, <laughs> this is this is what I have been saying for the longest. If young folks show up. Come y'all on. should have that video uh, I sent y'all uh, folks in the polls at the University of Texas. Uh, other- campuses uh you see that this is right here long lines people were in line there uh and and it's it's, and again you look at the last two elections young voters represented 24 28 percent of the electorate if that number goes to 35 40 again it's game over and and that was i mean that that was the thing that look if you got to show up and you can't just say hey we got great numbers we're tired of these boomers well guess what them boomers vote And if young folks hit their numbers, (laughs) it's game over for Republicans.
28: And another state I would like to focus on is Michigan. There is a lot of uptick at Michigan State specifically because Michigan has um, the law now that you can even register to vote the day of. So they went to their local poll right around the corner, registered and was able to vote. So Michigan State, where a lot of... Well, they're not actually millennials anymore. They're a different generation. But the younger generation millennials, oh, Gen yeah. Z, whatever. It's it.
6: not the same.
28: It's not <laughs> the same. Well, at, at, after yeah, Gen X, you don't
6: matter.
29: Yeah, they are. In my opinion,
6: they just same. After Gen X,
20: you don't matter. No, I'm <laughs> a millennial. But this <laughs> that. A- I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. No, 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 well, no, I no, they no, show no, 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 no,
6: no, no. Let me correct so you. It's the largest. No, hold on. That's the whole point. Giuliani was making. It's the largest potential voting bloc. Right. See, yeah, it, Because uh, we're
28: the children of the boomers. No, no, no,
6: no, no, yeah, no. Yeah, but will they show up and act like they have X's. sins? Uh, we'll support them. So, so they're, they're the grandchildren of the boomers? No. Roland,
15: so, so I, I was have born a in
6: 1981, and technically I'm an elder
15: millennial. Yeah. No, you're yeah. not. You're a Gen oh. no, I'm not. Hold <laughs> <laughs> up. <laughs> 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 hold up. Nice try. Nice try. Okay,
6: hold up. Hold up. Let's do some research. Hold up. Generation are we X. You hold up, one second. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. One second. One second. One second. Gen X. Researchers and popular media use the mid to late 1960s as starting birth years, and the late 1970s to early 1980s. As the ending birth year, you ain't no millennial, you a
20: Gen X. Don't even try. I, I love how y'all trying to slide. Nah, 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 nah.
13: Nah. uh Wait
6: a minute. on one second. So again, again, the 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 point I was making there, Julian, the point I was making there, Pro's making there, is the exact same point I'm making about Latinos. You might have demographic numbers. But if you're not registered, yep. and then if you don't vote, it doesn't matter. That's what I'm saying, they have the potential. And I'm, I've been saying, look, vote! Because vote your numbers. When you vote your numbers, then you can truly say, hey, we are the largest voting block. Voting block means you vote.
29: Exactly. So, Rola, a 25-year-old, uh, I don't know what they call him, but a 25-year-old, <laughs> I, I'm not dealing with y'all. <laughs> A 25-year-old <laughs> brother just won Val Demings seat in Florida. Yes, yep. that's
6: right. he's, 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 the, first, he's yep. the first millennial to win in Gen-Z, Congress. Gen-Z. Uh, Black Latino. Uh,
29: very but it's really exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting to see him to see him win. That's what young people can do. But y'all who are organizing these youngins need to organize them effectively because well, they talk a lot of smack but they don't do anything. And let me say before y'all start jumping, I just <laughs> want to talk about LA for a minute because um, you know I live in LA sometimes. <laughs> and um, <laughs> see be here,
19: right.
29: but Caruso, I, I'm very worried about the LA race. Um, Caruso is spending outspent Karen 13 to 1. Right. Uh, yesterday I was in my office, uh, watching TV. I'm supposed to be doing something else. <laughs> Literally, in one half hour, seven Caruso commercials. Yeah. Wow, uh, oh, yeah, seven. That absent, like, absent ah, that's like nice. right. yeah. that's my better man. That's all right. I saw. The the thing thing is, the film. Oh. So, the concern, Roland. Is the, the folk, I also participated in the NAACP thing last evening where they were trying to get people out to vote. And the concern is the indifference that so many of our people have, whether they're young'uns or even, I mean, baby boomers, we do vote, but not all of them. Well, you're know, well, well, A lot well, of right. these right. the conspiracy theorists, black folks, and those 80s people who, they're not going to vote until they get reparations when they never going to vote.
6: Well, but yeah. but to the <laughs> I'm want to go to you because, you're, you're, huh? you're, look, you're teaching on the college campus. Uh, and, uh, again... I, I keep going back to, to understand how to get people to vote. There's an actual process here.
15: Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm.
6: just saying go vote ain't it? Mm-hmm. That's one. Yeah. Yeah. Two, there has to be, an, it, there has to be an education and enlightenment phase. Okay, I, I got, I got to educate you and enlighten you. That's then right. once I do that, then I can register you.
20: That part. Right. Then
6: after I register you then I got to get you to the polls. Yes, Come right. on. And so the part of the problem here is that when we talk about how the infrastructure works, it's yeah, bombard with ads, but that don't work if you're not enlightened educated. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? That's right. yeah. and educated. Okay? And so right. there has to be an actual structure. One of the things that I have said to civil rights groups, um I remember doing a panel on the CBC probably a decade ago, and they were talking about voter suppression, and I said, "Hey, y'all keep talking about Black and Latino, y'all need to include these white students. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I said sure. because they're moving about. voting locations off of college campuses. Yeah. Look, mm-hmm. Texas A&M, my alma mater. That's a hard. That, that's that's a conservative university. Them Republicans moved the early voting location off the Texas A&M campus. That's sixty-five thousand students at the school, and they tried to actually say, well, you know, there's low turnout. It's one of the highest turnout places. They're even moving early voting locations off of Republican strongholds. Yeah. And so that's a part of the education process to get these to tell these white students, hey, they ain't just targeting black folks, they targeting you.
23: Yeah.
30: Almost oh, definitely. And teaching at, at American University, these students having seen them just two years ago versus now with the Dobbs decision and the like, when you talk about educating them
6: and they're looking Hold at Hold on one c- second while you talk. Steve, get off the floor. You was trying to fix the microphone, y'all. We don't worry about all that. <laughs> Steve, get Steve, get off the floor and, and go ahead. And walk, go ahead and walk into the studio. Steve, Steve, is, Steve is laying on his back trying not to be seen. And all I'm seeing is feet and his knees. So Steve, Steve go ahead and get a fix-up microphone while omacon, Steve, stand up. While Omacongo is talking, pick up my fix up mi- microphone, Omakongo <laughs> keep going.
30: You know, and you know, just seeing their level of activism just two years ago versus now when we have the Dobbs decision and the like, and they're now they seeing at the beginning of their reproductive stage of their lives, they've mm. just lost the right. And yeah, then sure. ma- many of them are, are very progressive as relates to LGBTQ plus rights. And they see that now that might be on the chopping block because Clarence Thomas is like, put it on the table for me. And so, like you said, Roland, when you inform them that this stuff is not just gonna affect people in poor communities or those people over there, that they're coming for you too. I'm seeing just this a night and day difference as it relates to their level of activism. And so when we talk about these young folks as it relates to potential, now they're at a point where many of them are seeing that people are really going to come for me. They don't care about my rights. We thought it was just gonna be about those quote unquote people of color in the hood, attack them, the prison reform and all that other type of stuff, lock them up. But now they see that these Republicans don't care. All they want is power and they will step over anybody to do it. Tammy?
20: Rolling, you know, my credentials. <laughs> so you know I No, I don't, but credit. go ahead. I'm messing with you, go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I just know go. My Nigerian self likes to go through my list, but we we'll, we we'll, we'll, we'll,
6: we'll, we'll, we'll need all that. Just go, just talk. You
20: know, I think it's important uh, to your comment, you know, and also to your comment, Roland, about informing and educating, right? So my run in Texas District Six, which is now District Thirty, shout out to Jasmine Crackett, cause she's leading the race. <laughs> okay, so um, Fellow you training. know, as a first-time politician, never ran for Congress before. I was shocked when I got the call. Like, you want me? But what I did was I informed and I educated. And I recognized that most Americans are at an eighth-grade reading level, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. So that's why being, yeah, to Yeah, right. So Texas right. District 6, yeah. where I ran Third for grade, Congress, right? it's like, OK, you want me to run? I'm going to run on my terms. Not code switching, just being just like this from the southwest side of Houston, Texas. You, you're impressed by all these credentials. But I'm here in Texas, which for the most part, as you know, Roland, a lot of it is kind of purple, right? So I appeal to both like you said, those white voters that understood that their rights were being suppressed, as well as what we're doing for black people. So as soon as I recognized that, whoa, I can do the same stuff I did while I was at DOJ, as a senior attorney, infiltrated at the highest levels, right? Quit, and I brought that information out to everybody. Gave y'all the cheat sheet for clemency, right? I did the same thing with the congressional run. Gave them the cheat sheet as, as to how it works. Let me not alienate the majority group in this predominantly red district, Ellis County, Navarro County, Tarrant County in Texas, ran as a pro-Second Amendment, pro-cannabis Democrat, and as a first-time politician with that strategy, as you said, informing and educating, including these white people to see, like, listen, they messing with your rights too. They don't know that I'm really talking about our rights, but I'm talking to them, and it's going to benefit us, right? And I'm able to come in third place out of 10 Democrats as a first-time politician with less than $50,000 raised. No major endorsements at all. Had the lowest cost per vote. And I shook it up to the point where no Democrat made the runoffs. It was two Republicans. That was probably what was going to happen anyways because it's a predominantly red district. So they redistrict. But I was able to endorse Jasmine Crockett whenever they made it District 30 and those same white people that was messing with me because, oh, she pro-Second Amendment. Yeah, I'm pro-Second Amendment because in this country, when you have a conviction, the only way to get your federal gun rights back is through clemency. So black people are adversely impacted more than that. So that's what I'm running on well, white people, all they hear is pro-Second Amendment, right?
6: Uh, uh, Roland, but, real quickly. They, I'm, I'm a little juggier, because I'm yeah. talking about <laughs> Trump. Right. Uh, and that's, that's one of the deals that uh, when you look at a lot of these places around the country, uh, Tim Ryan went off on mm-hmm. some unnamed Democratic consultant who's told Politico, uh, right. we, need to, we need to blow off Ohio, we need, to, oh. we need to run in these places where we have educated, uh, educated um, college voters. Uh, and I'm going. Well, that's how you keep losing, right? Because yeah. frankly, you can't ignore the number of people in this country who don't go to college. That's right. uh, mm-hmm. But you also yeah. have to have a story where you're talking to them as well. That's right. uh, and the thing that I keep saying is, if you don't run people, you will lose. That's right. And part of the reason, again, going back to why I had to slap Megan McCain around, the reason yeah. it's important for Stacey uh-huh. Abrams to run, the yeah, reason right. it's important for Beto O'Rourke to run, even if they lose is you're building infrastructure for other candidates and the next election. And when you don't get, Florida is a perfect example. When you don't run people, you basically giving someone else a head start. And now it's harder to win in the future because, frankly, no one's organized people.
31: Right. And so if you look at what's happening in North Carolina, in fact, uh, Dr. Barber has been sewing in there for a long time. And you cannot make a withdrawal if there's no deposit.
6: It, like, and it, Democrats gave up on North Carolina right. we will never win. That, right.
20: Yeah. But, that, that's, that's
6: and, right. and even this year, uh, Chuck Schumer, they came in late right. when it came to put money into Beasley. Yep. And it was like, look, you guaranteed to never win right. if you never
31: invest. That, that's right. That's go. right. And, and it has to be multi-pronged, right? So absolutely, you have to educate. You have to put seed in the ground. You have to be bottom up. You can't just be top-down. Okay, I'll show up when it's time for you to run. I'll flood you with ads. You know, not Lord not. willing and creek Don't Rise, you go vote for me, you know? And it's enough worth it for a lot of them because a lot of black folks will still vote together. But if you invest at the beginning, and you know, this is an interesting irony tonight. If Stacey Abrams, not over yet, but if Stacey Abrams doesn't benefit, uh, she from won't. tonight, uh, Warnock still benefits Sexism. from what she Sexism. did. There you go. From what she did, it's not over that. yet. That it's not over right. yet. But you cannot make a withdrawal it's... without making a deposit and doing it for a long time. My daughter's at Northwestern right now, doing journalism, by the way. And so uh, she says that the white kids are out in the front. No, and they didn't really mean defund when they say defund. No, they mean defund. They're not... <laughs> they
15: defund. and mean something else. We don't <laughs> want any We
31: don't want any... And she's like, man, they standing in front of me. You know what I mean? And so what that <laughs> we means. Can. So telling white kids to run against them you,
6: by the mother white. That's folks. right. You yeah.
31: have to invest everywhere, including uh your non-college educated right. black folks who need a long-term investment so that you they know that you're not using them and you're trying to benefit them. Real everybody.
6: real quick,
27: Eugene, we got to real quick. Look, the thing is this, right? You saw this in Maryland the last eight years. You know, Governor Hogan, okay, you can say 2014 was a flu. Well, Hogan did from 14 to 18 to actually investing. Uh, and, and communities and actually being out on the ground and actually him and Boyd actually engaging in a level I've never seen in my Did he? life. Oh absolutely, hundred percent, a hundred and ten percent. It laid the foundation for the 18 win Mm-mm. and then you saw that replicated tonight in Vermont. You saw it over the last eight years also in, in uh, Massachusetts with Charlie Baker. So when you, when you make those deposits, you can go back and make those withdrawals uh, when election time comes around. Brianna? Right.
28: I think one of the main things that I would like to highlight is the bottom up. Yeah, yeah I think right. too many times right. it's top down, and yeah. so the the pushback I have a little bit with what you said, Roland, is it only works for it to to sustain if it's bottom up because then the next year with what with, with the structure, right, the infrastructure. Well,
6: but, so, no, but, here's, but here, here, here's here's why you're wrong. You, go, you push back all you want. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Well, let me finish my no no, no, no. She said she's going to push back. We've seen but, it in but, Florida. No, no, but but here's why. Because
28: each year it gets worse because no. they didn't do it from the bottom up. So no, no,
6: no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. One okay. second, one second, That's one second, one second, one second, one second. Let me explain why I'm saying it's top down. Because when Beto runs, if you go back to 2018, when he ran for the United States Senate, first of all, he ran, excuse me, hold up, he ran statewide. By him running statewide, yeah. he had a 254-county strategy. Mm-hmm. What then happened was, if you go back and look at the numbers, you had judicial races, DA races, where the Democrats actually won. Harris, Dallas, Bayer, Travis, and they saw pickups in some of the other areas like East Texas. In fact, in 2020, Democrats actually were five seats away from taking control of the Texas House. Because so What? what, what what's that? What's that? what second? So what I'm saying is... So by him running, he essentially established an infrastructure that, that basically there yeah. was rival the St. Democratic Party in Georgia, in Georgia. What Stacey did was, with the New Georgia Voter Project Georgia and Georgia, enough. no, 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 follow me here. The way they created Georgia New, Georgia New Voter Project and Georgia Stand Up, they created the infrastructure, the but hold run. up, the infrastructure of created the statewide, cause follow me here. The statewide infrastructure has to campaign across the entire state. Yeah. If you're running for DA, you're only running in your county. So the statewide races are critical because now you are creating the external money that's coming in. Now you're filtering down. I sat down with Harris County Commissioner Roddy Ellis Friday in Houston. He said even this year how Be- Beto was running, it's helping down ballot. And so what ended up happening? People were excited with his run, excited with Stacy's run. I go back to 1984 and 88. Reverend Jackson runs for president. Guess what happened? Down ballot. Black yes. people were elected yes. to the city council, county commissions, sure. sheriffs. So what I'm saying is you have to have that top piece that did cause somebody to go, Wait a minute, I could run for that local race. I could run for the school board. And so now the voting rolls, as, as Richard Shelby, The reason he became a U.S. senator from Alabama as a Democrat because Reverend Jackson put two million new people on the rolls. Now, he rewarded Democrats by becoming Republican, but if it wasn't for... (laughs) But if it wasn't for Reverend Jackson running here, they don't win U.S. Senate, congressional, county, city council, sheriffs, judicial, DA. And so that's why I'm saying you got to have that top race that creates the statewide infrastructure that helps everybody
20: Charlotte, below. Charlotte shows them rolling. They're bot and bought. They take money from these organizations that we're fighting from. When you talk about that. Okay, sorry, you can sorry, follow who's the that? paper trail. Shirley Chisholm. No, no, who's that? You said they take money. Beto, for example. If okay. you follow the paper trail of donations that comes from the well, same well, well, First of all, that... of course, he's getting donations. But again, the I'm AFL-CIO, walking... biggest union. Okay, how do you think? Okay, how oh, do you, on on you think are going F- 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 how you going to F- win F- without police money? Unions and put those police right back in positions just like Derek The
29: AFL-CIO also supports working black. They do,
20: but they're also a big union for police officers. Well, they're not a union. They're
28: a the
25: it, exactly. They
20: support police unions and no, those... Okay, okay. Of, of, or, hold
6: on, work, hold on, hold on, hold, hold on, right, hold on, right, I I hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. One second, You can complain about him getting
20: money. You can't run... What are you talking about? You can't run if you don't have money. I did that. Hold on. And what place you came in? Third out of ten. Stop,
6: stop. What place you came in? As a
20: first-time politician? Stop. Did you win? Third out of ten. Did
6: you win? No. Thank you. Okay. You know, there's
20: no Who, money for the people that actually are speaking. No, now.
6: here's the whole deal. Boo, you got to have money to win. Just Rebecca, go. So, so,
15: so this is something that I think is very important that we need to talk about. So in Florida, there are 1.2 million people. Who are of voting age, who are not able to vote because they are returning citizens. Correct. They have felony convictions. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this governor, Governor Sanchez, mm-hmm. right. purposely made sure that these folks yep. didn't know how much they owed to the court. And it was a lie. Yeah. Made sure that the corrupt officers couldn't let them know. And hey, they perp- and they
6: purposely do. arrested about right. a thousand Miami, of them for so to serve so as a chilling effect. So Go ahead. Right. One second. So
15: Roland, this, my point here is in Florida, more than one out of ten. Black folks of voting age are disenfranchised because they have felony convictions. Right. Yeah. It's more than one out of ten in Alabama, in Kentucky. So it, when we're starting to look at some of these races and seeing how close we right. saying, oh well, more black people need to turn out, we also have to acknowledge the black people who cannot show up. And that's and that and, and that that's and
6: guilty. that's why on this show we support the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition and yes. Desmond Mead right. and Sheena Meade, because a lot of those, first of all, 95% of the people who owe money. They don't owe actually more than a thousand dollars. They're helping to pay those things off, but that requires money. That requires yeah. infrastructure. That requires organization. That the requires Sinister mobilization. So, uh, so again, I, so again, just jump in here for a quick
29: real, about but like thirty
6: money. seconds. Okay. I got to go to a break because then I got Reverend Barber coming up, Latasha oh, Brown Reverend coming Barber. up, Greg Carr coming up okay, after the break. I'll go. go.
29: Shut up! if Reverend Barber is coming. Well, he is. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, you talked about money with the fellas. One of the horrible in things heart- about the election is that. Um, we haven't talked enough about the economy. People have talked about abortion. People have, we have to talk about the yep. economy, especially for young people. Young people, this is the first generation of young number people one. are going to be worse off than yes. their parents were, whether they're college-educated or not. And so, right. for some reason, the economic content in this election has been missing. You know, that's what well, no, well, no,
6: no, no, no. I'm missing. It's been, it's been on the Republican side. Right. Democrats, ha- Democrats have tried to time. ride uh, the Dobbs uh, abortion, decision, yeah. to, to, uh, the abortion all the way, and that actually was a mistake. You
29: cannot eat the Dobbs decision. Hold tight one Is second. I gotta
6: go to break. We come back, folks. Uh, we're gonna, again, uh, hear from uh, more folks on the show. Uh, lots more to talk about, folks. We're gonna give you some more updates on on, on some races. Uh, coming up next, we're gonna hear from Greg Carr, of course, uh, host of the Black Table on the Black Star Network, my man, Reverend Dr. William J. Barber. Both of them are alphas. Y'all know how we do. Don't be. Don't hate. Don't Hey. (laughs) Don't hate, just kiss the ring. Don't hate, just kiss the ring. And that's why... And, and, it, and, 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 I, and I give it to Lauren Victoria Burke. She's the first one. She said, oh, what's up? You got a Dan and Ross wardrobe change? Because I, I had a different alpha vote shirt on earlier. And so I said, yeah, Lauren, I got a different alpha voting shirt for every hour because we on six hours. I'll be right back on the Black Star Network, folks. Download the app, all platforms. Tell your friends, this is the blackest show tonight. Y'all don't waste your time over there with CNN. It's probably one black person on the air you know, the only person at MSNBC now is Joy. Uh, and then you know, Fox News, they ain't got nobody. Uh, and then of course you ain't gonna see anybody else anywhere else. And all the black networks, they showing they showing sitcoms right now. So y'all know how we do. And so download the Black Star Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Of course you can also support our show. Your dollars absolutely matter for us to do what we do. Trust me, ain't none of this stuff free, y'all. Just wanna let y'all know that. Uh, okay, the caterer wasn't free. The extra crew wasn't free. And hell, we had to turn, we had to pay them extra to keep the heat on after six o'clock. And so, uh, yeah, I got to pay $45 an hour to m- multiply that shit by six. I'm trying to tell y'all, okay. ain't none of this free. Okay. So, check your money order. Go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C. 20037 0196. Cash App, dollar sign RM Unfiltered, PayPal R. Martin Unfiltered, Venmo is RM Unfiltered, Zell is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. And of course, get my book, White Fear How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds, like tonight in this election. Uh, you can get it everywhere. Also, order from your favorite black bookstore or download a copy on Audible. We'll be right back.
0: Calm.